49ers cutback podcast time and we are ready for this live stream it's going to be a blast i can't wait for it because we have stuff to talk about we have a little teaser along the way as well for something that's coming up in the works no way dude no way i'm so excited just a little teaser right listen we got tons of other things too that we're getting real close to uh to releasing on the channel making available to you all um, so again, man, just stay tuned, stay a part of the, the content, be a part of the Cutback crew today, hit that subscribe button right now, smash it, hit that notification bell. That way, when our community posts go out that are updating you on some of the stuff we got coming, right? When our live streams go live, when our videos get posted, you know, right away, you're the first to know you're the first in line. That way you don't miss out on any of this great content. Yep. You don't miss out on any of the great merch that the both of us have on right now. Link to the merch shop should be in the description, but if it's not, it's right there on screen. Now you can go right in the chat and you can click it because our bot has been fully updated. Stream Elements is ready to go tonight. Yeah, it is, and we're almost ready for training camp to start. It is, I mean, we're getting down to the home stretch now, um, so a lot of these, a lot of the stories are going to start picking up, ramping up. We're ready for it, um, but there are some things that we want to talk about. Uh, there's some news that has come down, you know, with the 49ers, and we want to get into it. Um, one thing I want to, I wanted to bring up first because I just saw it, you know, maybe a couple hours ago is the retirement of Ted Ginn. Um, the reason I want to bring it up because I mean, those, you know, horrible days, Ted Ginn was so pivotal to this 49er special teams. And in fact, Ted Ginn is the last guy to return a punt for a touchdown for the San Francisco 49ers and he's retiring. So, um, we wish him a happy retirement because he was a dynamite player that game he had against Seattle. That first game of the year, woo, with the two big returns. I mean, I'll never, I'll never forget about it. No, nah, not at all, man. Ted Ginn was a, an absolute legend, uh, especially in the return game. He made, he carved himself out a nice long career in the league. Yeah. And um, this is a guy who was a real speedster, speedy type of guy for a, a long time in his career. And when the speed started to drop off, everyone expected him to just fall off a cliff. And he turned himself into a possession receiver and a guy who could get open short, short distances in space. Yeah, the speed may not be in there anymore, the top end speed. But he had enough still left in the tank to be able to create separation underneath. And turned, I mean, he elongated it. And the things he did at the end with the Saints, too, as well, was absolutely impressive. Uh, Ted Ginman, salute to you. Salute on a great, long, wonderful career in the NFL. Uh, a type of career that not a lot of players get to have. Man, yeah. that's, that's incredible. And I'll never forget him in college returning the opening kick of the national championship for a touchdown. How dare you. And then getting injured in the celebration because his team tackled him and injured him. I was in a hotel room in Anaheim. I was at a coaching clinic. And we were completely shocked that this happened. Who was that against again? Hmm. I don't know. I wonder. I think it was a certain Gators team that ended up slapping them all up and down the field. It could have been. It 100% was because I remember that game. I made a bet at school with my physical education teacher. Wow. Um, we had a big bet board. Um, if you won hey, the yo. bet. Ooh, there. Nice, fat, big, fat super chat. Megan, see you yeah. getting on top of it already. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um but a nice big fat bet for not having to do uh, what we call them like the worst Wednesdays where you had to do cardio and abs and run like four miles around the track. They didn't have to do it for a month yeah. if you predicted the right team. 
everyone in the class took Ohio State. They were that much the favorites. I went with my team, Florida Gators. They upset and shocked everybody. Had a nice month off. It was great. And uh, Fable just brought up in the chat that if Ted Ginn wouldn't have been hurt in 2011, the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl. You are 100% correct, sir. Not wrong. Uh, definitely not wrong. Not wrong at all. Uh, that would have been big for the 49ers. They definitely would have won the Super Bowl in 2011 if Ginn would have been healthy. So that's 100%. Hey, and yo. thank you, David Vilma, for the super chat that just came through. We really, really appreciate it. My goodness gracious. Chat is live tonight. I they are it. live. Absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah, and the whole time we're going over on this, throw in your questions a whole time. Let's just let's just open it up. You guys go crazy with questions. I like and it. we're gonna keep talking about this, uh, the content that's coming your way. Um, the other thing that's been brought up a lot, especially in our comment section and on some of our live chats on our premiere video, is Jordan Matthews. Um, I think before we we had brought it up before that you know we kind of teased it in one of the in the tight end episode that hey maybe he was a possibility that he was putting on weight he did go to the Trey Lance workout and and catch yeah. passes from Trey Lance we thought that that was probably just him looking to get a workout maybe he was looking to get eyes in front of Shanahan and John Lynch and also get some work in with Trey Lance so that was the first step the second thing uh, on top of that is he went to tight end U and is working out with George Kittle. Um, coming in at 236 pounds, he has definitely put on the size to be considered a smaller-ish tight end. Could he fill that Jordan Reed role for the 49ers, Alex? He very well could. Um, this this is a guy who has been for a very, very long time in this league. Um, crafty as well. I mean, yeah. jumping from Ted Ginn now to Jordan Matthews, it's the irony there. Completely different, yeah. Uh, they're completely different type of players, but in terms of finding and carving ways and niches in terms of staying in the league and trying to stay relevant and elongating that career. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't know what just happened to chat right there. Chat went away. Chat went bye-bye for a second. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that comes back. Oh goodness gracious. Uh, anyway, they've created, he's, he's kind of carved out this niche and has been able to stay relevant and in the league for a long time now. Uh, and it's one of those things where this this is entirely doable and plausible. Yeah. I, I think both of us agree on that front there, that this is not like a shot in the dark, random craziness going on here with Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews, um, his issue has never been that he isn't capable. He just doesn't fit in terms of like breakout on the outside or really in, kind of in the slot. He's been doable, like he's sufficeable. He can serviceable out there. You can put him out there and he can do the things you need to do, right? He can run the routes. He can learn the system. He's a smart guy. But he's not He's not a world beater. A shift to tight end puts him in some better situations and better potential matchups, and especially if he's added the size, which it sounds like he has. Oh, um, I saw the scales. 236 pounds. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a big difference. And it ain't fat. I'll tell you that much. No, it's probably just all jack gosh darn muscle. He looks right? pretty good. He looks good. At the tight end position, that could translate. Putting him and lining him up in situations where he's got linebackers who aren't as quick yeah. as some of these safeties and corners, this might be dangerous. And this may become the – I mean, we've been talking about this now for a couple weeks, probably actually more like a couple months. This could be the new trend, seeing guys who are athletes, legitimate athletes, making the switch over to tight end and, and being able to play. The question with moving to tight end from that kind of position, right, is can you handle – the weight aspect, adding on the weight, adding that stuff onto your frame and being able to play at that kind of level. Um, athletes all across the spectrum, every sort of sport, the minute you start to get a little bit bigger, add a little more weight on, sometimes the injuries pile up. Sometimes. Yeah. If your body can hold on and the frame can hold up with that added weight and the additional muscle mass, that could be a problem for everybody else. 
It could be. And the one thing that we remember is that Jordan Reed came in last year and had a specific role. You know, and maybe that is what they still need from Jordan Matthews. We have we have talked about this tight end room over and over, um, and there's been lots of guys that have been brought up. I mean, Jay Ellie especially has brought up different tight ends, and I've seen that David brought up uh, Delaney Walker again. And Delaney Walker had come out and say said that he wants to be on a team that is a contender. He wants to play for a contender. He doesn't want to be a focal point of an offense. He wants to add to an offense. He's felt the wrath of being a focal point. He said he wants to play with a good quarterback, with a good offensive coordinator, all that good stuff. So Delaney Walker is another option. And it's intriguing, though, about Jordan Matthews. It's intriguing for the reason that he's not bigger than Dwelly. I've seen someone ask if he's bigger than Dwelly. No, Dwelly is bigger than him. Dwelly probably has a good 10 to 15 pounds on him. But Jordan Matthews is a good blocker as a wide receiver. The question is, can he line up in line and make those blocks? Jordan Reed wasn't a great blocker, so they use him in specific roles. So you're talking about, once again, a guy that fits that power slot role. Is that role still available in Kyle Shanahan's system? Because you have Jalen Hurd, you have Jawan Jennings, you have Muhammad Sanu. Is that role still needed for a tight end position? That is a good question. That is. So I wonder if this is actually a possibility or not. I think the, the reason that I tend to think that they're at least going to give this a look or at least are considering it. Number one, they have a roster spot open. I was hoping that was going to be Delaney Walker, number one. Number two, though, is the fact that he's... I mean, I know he's friends with all these 49er players. He's been with the 49ers a couple of different times now. But he's working with George Kittle. To me, that just it just screams that there's something more there than we would ultimately think otherwise. Because he's actually there. And then he worked out with Trey Lance. Like, it was always weird, right? Like, I know they couldn't get that many guys to go up there to North Dakota because they didn't have the, you know, the players. And you want somebody that's a mm-hmm. legit NFL player to catch 100%. balls. 100%. But now that's why. Jordan Matthews was making a change to tight end, and they're getting a look at this guy running routes in with the future quarterback, the future starter for their team. It's an interesting concept. It's not only an interesting concept. It's it's something that, you know, a couple of people brought it up. They said, you know, well, is Jordan Matthews is his run blocking up to par because otherwise, you know, our defense is going to be able to predict what we're doing when we're doing it. Listen, that was the case with Jordan Reed last year, right? Jordan Reed was in and you and you knew sort of, hey, we got probably a passing down situation here. Um, but you can also do things differently. You can also do things a little differently in terms of disguising guys out there and taking Jordan Matthews and putting him out there and putting him on a choice route, an option route, or putting him out there in RPO situations where he's going to run a route. You're not going to ask him to do a lot of blocking to hold defenders so you can try and create a running lane or a running angle or a place for your running back to possibly break to an edge. Um, so this is this is not a crazy sort of thing, and I'm not concerned so much about Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed about Jordan Matthews' ability to run block per se right now so much as I'm worried about him being able to do the things the 49ers tight end room needs needs them to do. Yeah. If he can operate better than Ross Dwelly in the pass game, then you can take the two of them and combine them into one guy who can do the things you need them to do. One can be more of your run-blocking sort of threat. And you know what? In all honesty, that might help Ross Dwelly. Like, think about it. Juice is able to get as open as he is out of the backfield because of how dominant of a blocker he is. If Dwelly can focus just on blocking and can establish himself as a dominant blocker, especially with the added size, when he's out there, if you stick the two of them out there now, you're not going to be looking at Ross Dwelly as the receiving threat, but more of the blocking threat. And maybe play action stuff now, Ross Dwelly is able to get himself better opportunities and better situations to make bigger plays 
because they're focused on him as a blocker rather than a pass catcher. Yeah, I think when you're looking at how they're going to build this, that's build the room. I think that's yes. when you're looking at it, how do they want to construct it? They've always had, right, George Kittle, who's the ultimate do-it-all. Then they had a good backup, and then they always had a blocking tight end as number three. Last year, they kind of flipped the script. Their blocking tight end was number four because they kept Jordan Reed. But a lot of that had to do with the fact they didn't have any power slot guys in the receiver room. So how they build this is going to be interesting. But wouldn't you rather have, and I'm with David as far as Delaney Walker, because Delaney Walker can block, he can catch, he can do it all. As long as the health is there, right? As long as he's still able to play at a high level, he makes sense because he can do it all. But think about it from this perspective. You have Ross Dwelly, and we all agree Ross Dwelly is a good backup. He, he can do the blocking. He can do what he needs to do. He has good hands. Um, but Jordan Matthews is a legit receiving threat. So if George Kittle was to go down, when Jordan Matthews is on the field, people have to worry about him as a receiving threat. Sure. With Ross Dwelly, they don't worry as much. right? They, co- they could cover him with Buda Baker. They could cover him with one of these safeties and be fine. Jamal Adams can lock him up. Jordan Matthews can play and beat those guys. So he is a mismatch issue. So you could use those two guys as get the flexibility to still do what George Kittle does, not to the level by any means, but those two together can make an actual better backup than just one of them would. Very sure. So, I mean, it's it's at least intriguing to me. 100%. And I think it's something you need to obviously consider. Um, If it's an option... That's fine. That's great. If they're putting all the eggs in the Jordan, Re- yeah, Jordan Matthews so. basket, then yeah, there's you know, problems and concerns and red flags and what kind of organization are we and what are we doing from now on, you know? Those type of things would be concerning to me. Those are the type of things that are question marks. But the 49ers front office has not made decisions like this in the past. So if they are considering Jordan Matthews and that's why he's out working with George Kittle and Kittle's inviting him to tight end you as they're trying to get a little feel there for it, then I imagine that there's other guys that they're interested in and looking at, including yeah. guys like Delaney Walker. Yeah, I still think they're sitting there with that 90th spot open. They're they're considering somebody. 100%. It's just who? The only other thing, yeah, the only other thing I'm thinking is, would they do this? They, they're getting really close to the, right, the COVID protocols yes. to where they have to reach a certain percentage. Would they release one guy to make sure their percentage got to there? Oh, man. There's a good chance. I mean, so here's the it, question though: Does it have to stay there, or is it once? Is it like a thing like once you hit it, like you've hit it and you're good? I believe you have to stay there, but still, once you start cuts, right? It's it's you're going to be good because you only as soon as the preseason games start, you're going to have the cuts. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's really that's going to be interesting to me. Is is where exactly, where exactly, how is that rule written, and how does it need to be implemented? If it's a thing where you need to stay there, then that is going to it potentially could impact some teams because if you're an organization, why would you want to follow all of the protocols? Under in what world? Oh no, they don't want to have to. Yeah, for in sure. What, in what world? If you have the option to, in what world are you going to? I mean, it does beg the question: if you have two players that are real similar, is somebody not being vaccinated going to cost them their roster spot? Is that li- Are they liable for a lawsuit if that starts happening? Too? Only if that is true. You don't know that for sure. I mean, Man. if these guys get cut for playing in the regular season, that's going to be real. I mean, in the preseason, that's going to be really hard to prove. Correct. It's just, it's an interesting question to think about. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, uh, well, welcome now. Welcome, folks, to post 2020. Right? Right. Like, all things now are on the table. All, th- I mean, it's going to, it's only going to be, get crazier and crazier for the NFL with the more that this, more that COVID is an issue or at least a, a problem um, that people are monitoring and paying attention to. The, the, 
the longer this drags on, the more complications, the more issues, the more variant, all of these things, it's just going to cause more and more headaches for teams, more and more yeah. headaches for the league. Oh, goodness gracious. I, don't, I, I, I would hate to be a front office personnel or a general manager having to try and make that decision. Do I keep this guy? If two guys are similar, do I keep one of these guys because they may or may not help us get over a percentage number? That, that would be awful. I, I would like to think that's not going to happen. But I hope so. You know how it is. Sometimes you have to weigh in and think about every single thing that comes up because um, I seen Jag was asking about a tight end. Is he talk, Who's he talking about? Let um, me see here. We yeah. would consider the tight end that was with the Vikings. I forgot his name. I think he played at Notre Dame. Is he talking about mm, – it's not Rudolph, is it? Well, he's, he he's signed. signed, right? Yeah. yeah. So it would have to be – I don't know who the other one is. I mean, maybe he's thinking Eifert. He played in Stanford. And maybe. he didn't play for Minnesota either. I don't think he played for Minnesota. He just played for Cincinnati and the Bills. Yeah. I think it was the Bills. Was it the Jaguars? It was the Jags also. Yeah. Who knows? It was a bunch of teams. It was a bunch of teams. Eifert's yeah. been around the league. He's been around. Okay. He's been everywhere. Yeah, but Rudolph is signed. Um, so, I mean, look, it's, it's one, of those day, one of those things. And by the way, Monica, shout out for the she – got her, she got her shirt. Yes. So, shout out. You need she to know. shirts. Shirts. Uh, my bad. Oh, multiples. Yeah. So, now, now, we need, now we need pictures. Yeah. Now, now you, know that you need to hashtag TCC us on, on Twitter, on Instagram. We got, we got to see this. We got to see this. You got to show off the merch. Yeah, it's true. We got to be able to show it off. Um, but look, at, at the end of the day – there's there's tight end options. There's not that many. Yeah. So if you're the 49ers and that's who your 90th man is going to be, is you're going to go out and get a tight end. I mean, you're you're yeah. looking for something you don't already have. So a guy who's a dual threat can do do who can dual threat it, right? Something that Ross Dwelly hasn't proven he can do. Charlie Warner has definitely not proven he can do. No. Um, or you're going after a receiving threat behind Kittle, which you currently don't have, which is why Delaney Walker makes sense. It's why. I almost said Kyle Rudolph, but we know it's not Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Jordan Matthews makes sense. Uh, both of those fit a, a role in a niche that we don't currently have behind George Kittle. Yeah, I, th- I think it's all going to come down to early on in training camp if Charlie Warner looks good in the pass game or not. Yeah. If he's struggling, they're probably going to look to make a move, and they're probably going to want to bring in somebody like Delaney Walker or Jordan Matthews. Those guys are sitting there ready. Um, they're just waiting for their opportunity. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, look, there's a, the, the other thing, that, and by the way, too, uh, before we get to the next thing, um, I believe it was, I believe it was David, but I, I may be mistaken here, had brought up if Ted Ginn was the last person to have this much of an impact and is the best kick turner we've had since that 2011 season, how come the 49ers haven't placed as much of an emphasis on it? And that's a solid question. However, I think the Niners have tried. They have just failed drastically. Well, they thought Richie James was going to be that guy. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, over the years brought in Michael James. You know, they've brought in other guys that they thought were going to be, I guess, you know, possibilities, you know, to possibly do it. And it just hasn't worked out. And that's one of the things that I've had against Richie James as far as the kick and punt return game is, to me, he's had solid returns. Um, but so far, he hasn't done anything that makes you just, you know, scared about the 49ers kick game. So a lot of times, these these other teams kick the ball, elevate it, and he catches it inside the five, and then they don't even get you know, past the 20, um, which is bad field position. The 49ers need to improve field position. A lot of times they wouldn't trust Richie on punt returns. They put Trent Taylor back there knowing he would secure the catch. So they need to, get, they need to make sure they have somebody that they feel confident will secure the catch but also has dynamic ability to take it to the house, um, it, whether that's Brandon Ayuk, Ombre Thomas. 
I know you've brought up uh, Mitchell as well. Um, those are all possibilities of people that could possibly take over. And then if they do, that puts Richie James in a role to hurt. He needs to win the return area. Um, and that is something that he really has to do. True. I mean, he needs to. He definitely, definitely needs to. Uh, look, at the end of the day, too, with this with this room, for the 49ers, the kick return game for us is like uh, the wide receiver room for the Patriots. Can't hit it in the draft at all whatsoever. We go after yeah. guys and it just hasn't worked out. It hasn't panned out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have anyone there. Um, we very well could have somebody there who's going to make an impact this year. And they got a lot of names and young talent they brought in this year that have the ability to take care of those things and do those type of things for this team and for this room. So I'm looking forward to seeing if, if we can improve that aspect in that area of the game because I think you and I will both agree on this. The kick return game has struggled a little bit. Yeah. It's been a little bit of a, an uphill climb for the 49ers. And so if it's an uphill climb um, and it's something they need to address, then they should do it. However, you can't also sell the farm just for a kick returner to shore that aspect up. There's got to... Shanahan knows this, and yeah. we all believe this too, right? There's someone on your roster that can get it done for you. It's just a matter of finding him. And if you don't have a guy on your roster who can get it done, then what you need from the special teams room, then if that big play solidified, you know, can get you 10, 15 yards on a kick return so that way you're not pinned back at the 5 or the 10, right? If that guy doesn't exist on your roster, then you need to put somebody out there who isn't going to kill you in the special teams game. Yeah, the most dynamic person... Um, that could be return game guy is Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he's the most dynamic returner that we have on the roster right now. Um, he could take it to the house at any second, but are they going to give him the freedom to be able to do it? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they'll do that now. They're worried about him getting hurt. I mean, a lot of people talk about him being the number one receiver. If he's the number one receiver, you probably don't have him back there unless you're like a Bill Walsh and you have John Taylor and you put him back there. Um, so maybe it's a possibility, but I still think that Omri Thomas has probably got a shot at this. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see Travis Benjamin go back there from time to time. Somebody that can secure a catch for sure. Um, and then you worry about, of course, him fumbling later on, but not so much on the catch. I don't think, Jag, because that's a good question. That's a solid question. Is the fact that we can't re- find a returner and indictment on our special teams coaches? No, not necessarily, because your special teams coach necessarily isn't doing all of the scouting. He doesn't also get a choice sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when you're a position coach, you're not going to go into a draft room or scouting scouting sessions or whatever and be like, by the way, we need to be targeting this guy in this round because you have an entire team with needs and things of that nature. If the guy falls to you at a spot that you're comfortable taking him, that's fine. But you're also not going to go out and just draft a returner. No. You're not looking for that. You're looking for a guy who can do multiple things. Maybe this guy, maybe you're hoping this guy in a few years can develop into a position, skill position player, safety, corner, whatever it is. And in the meantime, can also have an impact in the special teams room. That's 100% what you're looking for when you're drafting a guy. But they're not going to go out and just settle on one guy to do one thing. This isn't a kicker. This isn't yeah. a punter. This isn't a long snapper. Those, those guys are specialty positions where that's the only thing that they're doing. And that's all they're going to focus on because that's... That is the one-third of the game that they have to be able to play to perfection. Kick yeah. returners, those are typically, typically as people would refer to them, a dime a dozen, meaning you can go find a guy who's athletic, quick, can see the field, make the cuts and secure the football. You can find those guys more often than you're going to find a guy who's really, really solid and consistent as a kicker, a punter, 
and all of that. Well, the ones that were usually great were guys that were very good at other positions. Also true. You know, they, they, you're getting drafted for the position that you play. You're not getting drafted to be a returner. Um, teams that draft, you know, got, got, teams that have uh, returners all the time is like the Raiders. You draft everyone who's fast. Um, so they always have returners. But, yeah, this isn't, this isn't on Hightower. This is not his fault. There's yeah. nothing that he can do. He gets the players that he, you know, he gets. He has a roster, and he's trying to build it. And the fact that he doesn't even have an option a lot of times for special teams, he might have a voice in who they keep for their you know last couple guys. If you're comparing guy versus guy, um, that's a possibility. Um, but we just we haven't seen it yet, so we can't blame him for sure on as far as kick returners not having successful ones because Richie James has had opportunities. He just can't take it to the house. No, he really can't. He really, really can't. Kyle Neely put Kittle back there, and they will run away. That's true. That is true. Kittle is a Kittle is a terrifying individual. Yeah, he's a scary man. Yeah, let's just not get that guy hurt. That's the only problem, right? You know, if you put Kittle back there, he's gonna he's gonna do something stupid, like run through three guys, and then a fourth guy's like, you know what? Screw this, and just take out his knee. Yeah, and there's the season, or at least a couple of weeks. I mean, we have options on this team, so I think they can improve the return game. A hundred percent. It's just a matter of finding the right. Well, guy. and there's right. There's value when you're a coach, and especially in the NFL, you're looking at. Do I want this one to be a secured catch? Okay, I want this guy in. Do I want this one to have a chance to flip the field? Okay, I need this guy in. Uh, we need we need a house call on this. All right, this guy has to be in. So you might get sparingly Brandon Ayuk in situations like, you know, three minutes left in the game. You're down, you know, three points or you're down seven and you need to flip the field. That You might get him in there on that. And then when you need to secure a catch, you put someone else in for that, maybe an Omri Thomas or a Richie James. Um, so I think we're going to see a little bit of a shared you know, load as far as how these guys are taking it. And I heard, I heard Shanahan talk about this before with Hightower, with how they're using Trent Taylor and how they're using Richie James and, you know, why he doesn't use Brandon Ayuk, because that is something that um, some reporters in the Bay Area like to ask all the time is why Brandon Ayuk's not back there. They ask that question a lot, I feel like. They do. Look, at the end of the day, too, it's, I, get, I get why. I understand. Yeah. I understand why you want Brandon Ayuk back there, but you also don't want to put your best player back there all the time to return punts. It's one of those situations like, right, when the Eagles needed a big play, it would stick to Sean Jackson back there. It's true. But you know what they didn't do? Run to Sean Jackson back there for every single punt return. If we need a big play and we want to stick Brandon Ayuk back there and see what happens, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because, you know, you play to win the game. Shockingly, <laughs> I know. So it's one of those things where, yeah, I get that, but Brandon Ayuk being your every down punt returner, you're just asking for trouble. You are. You really are. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that there's some fun conversations to talk about with special teams. I think kick returner and punt returner is another you know position that is in question because, um, yes, Richie James has had success, but no, no one is worried about Richie James house calling it. He's had what one kick return I think for a touchdown yeah. in his career. Sure. Um, I I think you're looking for a little bit more dynamics there. Um, but if they went into the season with Richie, I'm not exactly freaking out either. He's not bad. So No, he's not terrible. It's just one of those things where it's like you know what you're going to get. Yeah, you do. You know what you're going to get. And, and most teams aren't, Yeah, and most teams aren't afraid of it already. So No. I, <laughs> and that's the problem. I wouldn't be. I would kick it deep to him, and I don't kick deep ever. Accurate. Accurate. This is true. This man never kicks deep. No. Ever. No. Ten yards in a cloud of dust, boys. Ten yards in a cloud of dust. A little bit months. longer than ten. Okay, with twenty-five. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I tried. Getting closer. Tried. What do you guys think of Sherfield? He looks big in his game as being a speedster. Um, mm. his game doesn't show speedster on film. No. 
Um, it, it, it really does. He does look big. No, he, he's got good size. I don't think that's the question. It's all it's speed. Yeah, it, he, he's one of those guys, again, that times well, but when you get him on the field, he doesn't look like he's moving very fast. Agreed. You know, this is something we talked about with Austin Watkins as well. It's somebody that runs well, but when you get him on the field, he just doesn't look that fast. Um, almost looks like he's, you know, running in molasses. It's like, come on, man. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think that Sherfield, his, his avenue to make this team is through special teams. I don't think it's as a returner. I think it's as a gunner. It, you know, it's as uh, on the punt team. There's all these different things that he can do. Um, but I don't think it's that avenue. And it's going to be an uphill climb because somebody, you know, else could make this roster um, like Jawan Jennings because he can go out there and do what Sherfield can do as far as he's going to be a hitter in special teams. Oh, um, so you're going to look at guys with upside possibly to keep before somebody that's just an, an ace like that. I think the, you know, we got, what's his name from Arizona last year? Joe, I can't remember the linebacker. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. And everyone thought, oh, well, this guy's going to make the team, me included, because he's a special teams ace. And then he didn't even, he was on the practice squad. They didn't even keep him. Now he's gone. So special teams is not something, they're not like hardball where they're going out and getting Costanzo and these guys that are going to be special teams guys. They're building the roster and then the guys at the end of their roster are playing special teams. Oh, 100%. Um, and Monica, do we think that Watkins will be a practice squad guy? Probably. Um, I would I would lean that that's more towards yes than it is no, just because I think he has more potential upside than some of the other guys that we have, like River Craycraft, for example. I think he's got more upside. Uh, but it's really just going to come down to can he translate into the system as a route runner, as a possession sort of guy right off the jump? Can he learn and pick up the system the way he needs to? If he picks up the basic stuff and shows flashes of the athleticism and the size and some of the things that made him special towards the end of his career at UAB, then he's 100% going to make this practice squad. But if he comes in off the jump and drops a bunch of passes, can't remember routes, can't get open in space, especially underneath, there's no chance for him. He's got no hope. Yes, it was Joe Walker. Thank you. Um, there it is. A bunch of people, Caleb, Jay Ellie, all Caleb's Joe Walker. Win, Jay Ellie for the win. Um, yes, you guys are right. It was Joe Walker. I knew his name was Joe. I could see his face. I could see his jersey number. I just couldn't remember his last name. Um, that's how memorable he was. Um, but as far as Watkins goes, um, I think it's going to be tough for him to even get on the practice I squad. Agree. Um, I agree. This this roster is deep. If they start having injuries, there's a possibility he makes it to the practice squad. Um, but his film just doesn't scream. And there were guys last year that ended up, like Jawan Jennings, that ended up on the practice squad. If Jawan Jennings is possibly going to end up on the practice squad again, I'd rather have Jawan Jennings than Austin Watkins. Yes. So A thousand times yes. That's not even a, I don't even think that's a question. Most 49er fans aren't even going to entertain that, I would think. Um, yes, Alex Faulkner, he isn't fast when he's running routes. When he's, when he's a gunner, maybe he's, he's blown by these guys because these guys are playing it a certain way. Um, they are going to let people run up the field. That's part of the issue, part of the, what they do as a gunner. Sometimes you let them run up the field. Sometimes you take them off, depending on which way the, run is, the punt is going. Correct. So it, there is a certain way to play it. Um, I'm not saying he's not fast. I'm just saying when he's in routes, he's not getting in and out of his break very fast. And so he looks slow. So he looks like a possession receiver and not a burner. It's the same problem we see with Kevin White. That, and that's the big concern with Kevin White and the big question. And part of the reason why he's struggled to stick in this league is there is no consistency in terms of his ability to get open. And when you're a wide receiver, next to catching the football, that's the next most, if not the most important. It's like 1A and 1 little A like we talked about last week when, in the running back room. right? 1A, 1 little A in regards to catching the football and getting open on routes. Yeah. Those two things. If you don't do one of those two things, then you're 
Your time in the league is short. Yeah. If you can't do both of those things, you have no time in the league. Um, and I wouldn't say that one of them is more important than the other. But, I mean, look, in three seasons with Arizona, he has a total of 28 catches mm-hmm. for 340 yards and a catch rate that's under 60%. That's not good. No. That's not – doesn't bode well. Um, and, and yards per target is sitting right now at seven, about 7.5 seven was his best season. Uh, 7.1 is what his average is. And it's basically been going down every year. He's one of those guys that I, I've heard people saying. So, I mean, I took a deep dive into this guy because people were saying he was going to make the roster. And people on our, you know, on our comment section and stuff and people that, like I tell these people, talk, we'll respond, and I'll actually look into it. And with Sherfield, I just, uh, the actual receiving skills, I just don't see. Um, I think that he's a good player. I don't think he's a top six for the 49ers player. No, that's the problem. Yeah, that, that's the problem. I, there is definitely a team out there that he f- he would fit in and make a roster. I'm not saying that he can't do it or that he shouldn't do it or that you know this guy's garbo poopy. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's there's no way he makes this roster. This unless this he's group. unless well twofold. If there's injuries, he can. But Ant, you've quadrupled down. There's gonna be no injuries. I, I agree. And second, <laughs> second of all, um, the special teams angle. Possibly, because if yeah. if him, Possibly. let's say him and Jawan Jennings are tied for that sixth spot, like you think they're super close, but he's outperforming Jawan Jennings on special teams. Special teams yeah. Then you keep him, you put Jennings on the practice squad. You give you have another year of marination for Mister Jawan Jennings. Yeah, that could very well could, and that that could affect like you just talked about. That could affect an Austin Watkins right yeah. there. If you have that type of situation where Jawan Jennings gets bumped because of special teams performance, good luck Austin Watkins. Yeah, because there's other guys still above Austin Watkins that still have a really good chance to make the practice squad. Yeah, well, anyone that watched our wide receiver, uh, our offensive depth chart video mm-hmm. knows where we have Austin Watkins and River Craycraft right now. Dead last. Looking up, <laughs> they're looking up at the top. Yeah, uh, down the bench. They're down, down the bench. They have a little bit of ways to go. So, oh, okay, Sac Francisco. I like that. Trent Sherfield makes the roster before Benny Fowler. Just saying. Uh, Sac-, Sac Francisco is one of the ones that's been on Sherfield. That's part of the reason that I I look. Um, I think Benny. I think we agree. Benny Fowler and Sherfield are close. It's not. It's not. Yeah, they're not worlds apart. No, they're not worlds apart. They I mean, just do different things. Just Fowler has done a little bit more in the league. Um, but I don't know. I don't. To me, neither one of them are overly exciting. Somebody that I'm excited about. Um, where I do get excited talking about like the top seven guys on the roster. Oh, the top seven's great. Yeah. And we talked about that during our, our depth chart breakdown. We talked about it during our wide receiver breakdown video, which you should go check out after the live stream if you haven't already. I don't know what you're doing, just saying. Um, but that video, we, we talked specifically about how you like to see that, right? You like to see the Niners getting about seven deep at the wide receiver position before that cliff hits and that huge drop off where you're like, who are these guys and what are you doing on this? How did you get here? Like, why are you? Who invited you? Yeah. You like to see that at seven. You'd hate to see that like what it was a few years ago where it was like three in and you were like, oh God, that that's a steep cliff down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big drop. Yeah. Last year it got scary. Once you had some oh. of the injuries and it was like, oh, Debo's out, Jalen Hurd's out, you know, Richie James is nicked up. This guy's out. That guy's out. And you're like, who the heck? We have Brandon Ayuk's hurt. What? We have nobody left. Correct. You know, let's go sign some guys. We had guys I'd never even heard of. And I was just like Googling them to try to find out who they were. They're coming on the roster. And people were trying to talk about they were going to be key contributors. And I'm like, contribute to what? You know, I mean, these guys should be going and getting people water. What are they doing? Ouch. 
Um, it, it was it just made me nervous last year, and I, I'm I'm glad that it's not going to happen this year. That we're injury free, and that all these guys are going to give a nice stiff arm to injuries, and they're going to have a great season because I've doubled down, and you know I, I trust me. So hey, you you love <laughs> you love the I love the fact that you're doubling down. Man, that's my favorite. It's my favorite part. But favorite part. I think Jennings could make the final fifty three hundred percent. We agree with you there on yeah. that. No, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I uh, think he's in the mix for sure. Hundred percent. And speaking of a guy who's in the mix to make the roster, especially after everything gets cleared with with his uh his off the field stuff that came up with Mr. Kevin Givens. Yeah, it's done. Uh, his legal stuff's done. It's all settled, right? It's all taken yeah. care of. So he has nothing really to worry about. Probably no punishment coming down from the league, and that's great news for the 49ers because he's been working out with somebody, hasn't he? Yet? Yeah, he has. He's been working out with Jim Washburn. And for people that don't know who Jim Washburn is, he's actually the mentor of defensive line coach Chris Kassarek. Um, So he's getting in extra work and working with the man behind the man. And so I kind of like that. And I, I think it's I think it's going to show that Givens is in putting in work and he's ready to have a big season. When he got mentioned by D'Amico Ryans as one of the guys to watch, um, it kind of makes you perk up a little bit like, what? Okay. I mean, we knew he was going to have kind of a step forward. Another, he's been stepping forward every single year, getting a little bit better. But this one kind of made your hair rise up on your neck like, uh-oh, here we go. Like Kevin Givens might be a breakout guy. Um, this interior defensive line is getting better. But I like the fact that it's somebody that knows what Kacarek likes. So it's, you're just not out there working with a specialist, a defensive coach that is a special coach. But you're working with somebody that is a specialist in the things that Chris Kacarek likes from defensive line. You're going to work on the techniques that he likes from his defensive lineman to play in the, you know, kind of the skills and, the, you know, the way that he plays it. And I like that about it. No, 100%. And yeah. I like uh, I like the fact that if Kevin Givens is a name that D'Amico Ryans is putting out there and it comes to fruition, right, he's a guy who's going to break out, and he does. Yeah. Uh, yikes. <laughs> yikes, For rest of the else. league. Yeah. Yikes, NFC West. Yikes, our own line in practice. That's not going to be fun to go against because he's not going to be going against your first-team guys most of the time. He's going to get in most of the time second-team reps with some sprinkling in. This he, second team guys he might want to be some, worried about our second team. I'm, you know? I'm worried about our second no, team. He might, the, he might worry about the second team O-line too. That's true. That's I mean, oh, so it's Banks or Brunskill. True, Have fun with that. That's not oh, funny. it's it's Lakin Thompson or Jalen Moore. Have fun with that. Oh, we it's got big... Colton McKivitz taking snaps at, at guard this time. <laughs> Have fun with that. Battles all over the place. There is. There's a lot of battles all over the place. But Kevin Givens' his name being tossed out there and then hearing about this. Uh, makes me feel good inside because he he was one of the guys last year that kind of shocked us and surprised us with how much he developed and how quickly it started showing on the field. And listen, some of that is, right, he got extended snaps because of all the injuries that we had. But that's what you're supposed to do when you get those extended snaps is kind of make some eyes pop a little bit like, hey, there's something here that we didn't think was going to be here where where we are now. That's uh. That's encouraging because then you're going to keep developing it and prodding and poking to see what that thing is and see what it can turn into and what it can blossom into. And now that he's working with the man behind the man, who knows? I mean, it's only going to help. It's not going to hurt to work with the guy who no. is your line coach's mentor. And I think at this point, if you're a day one person, you've been on the channel for a long time, whether it was our behind the whistle segment where we talked about Chris Kassarek for the very first time, or whether it's been every time since then, when it's whether no matter it's our our editor throwing in Chris Kassarek popping up when we talk about Javon Kelly, no matter what it is, we love Chris Kassarek on this show. We we think Chris Kassarek Chris Kassarek is probably the best line coach in the league. He's at least in the conversation. He's the best D line coach in the league. So for for us, working with him and working with a guy that mentored him, 
for us signals this guy's on to something. And Chris Eric obviously probably pointed him in that direction this offseason to get yeah. some work in. This could be a big, huge, fat year for Kevin Givens. And if it is, this D-line is going to be even better than we've been hyping it up to be already. Yeah, and Matt Burgos asked about Maurice Hurst. Um, and right there along with Kevin Givens is Maurice Hurst as another guy that's going to make a big impact on this team because mm -hmm. the lateral movement and the way he's able to get up and down the line athletically as a three-tech in this league um, can't be unnoticed. I think one thing he's going to be good at is getting after the passer, um, but he's going to have limited role and limited opportunities, but he's going to be rushing with some of the best there is. Uh, I like the way he gets off the block. He's fast. He's able to run people down on fly sweeps and outside zones. That athletic ability is something you need, um, something they have been they were missing last year all over the line. And what they did is go out and get Maurice Hurst, go out and get, you know, Arden Key, guys that are more <clears throat> athletic to go with an Ebucom who is a specialist on the outside. This this defensive line is going to be big, fast, athletic. They're going to get after you. This is this is 2019 all over again, maybe with a little bit of an upgrade, which is hard to say, but I think it's there. Um, that's going to be fun. And I, I think that Maurice Hurst, along with Givens and these guys, uh, is going to make for one of the best interior defensive lines that the 49ers have had in a long time. Now that's, that's a scary thought process. And yeah. a lot of 49ers fans... I would say most of the cutback crew probably agrees or at least isn't as on the fence about that as we are. Most 49er fans, though, wouldn't agree with that because Buckner. Oh, yeah. Buckner. No, but Buckner. No, Buckner. Listen, if Kinlaw continues to develop the way he's developing, yep. in a few years, it's going to be Buckner who? You're not going to care anymore, 49ers fans. Oh, we'll still care about Buckner, but it'll, it's not, it's we not won't worry same, about the production. It's not the same kind of care, though. It's like one of those things where it's like, we loved Buckner when he was in San Francisco, yeah. but we love Javon Kidlaw. Yeah. So who, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to end up being a wash. Yeah. It's going to end up being a wash, and you're not going to miss Buck as much. You're not going to miss Buck's production. You mean you're like, oh, I love Dwight Clark, but I love Jerry Rice. It's true. I mean, I don't know. We can't say that about Ken Law. I don't want to go that far. No, um, I would like to make a shout out to Jay in the Bay because he's in the chat. So what's up, Jay? What's up, Jay? What's, what's good? We always like having Jay on. What's good? Always. Um, so the other thing is uh, Antonio asked a question. He did. It was about uh, the roster size. Yes, expanding roster size. Uh, expanded roster size is inevitable. Though you went to six or 17 games now. They're going to go to 18 games by 2024. It's coming. Get ready. New TV deals and all that mean they want more games. More games equals more money. More money for the owners, more money for the players. The only way to make that happen is to have expanded rosters and extra bye weeks. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely coming. You're looking at a 19-week season, folks. Yeah. It's coming. 20, 2020 did a good thing as far as the extra two spots, making it a 55 that were available, that we could have the extra linemen. Um, and it just it makes a lot of sense for the teams that have 55 available. I think that the fact that they've only went from 49 to 53 since the 80s um, is a very limited amount, even though they've, you know, the mm -hmm. game has gotten faster, the game has gotten more physical. Uh, so this is a collision sport. They need more players, but also the players also want to make more money. So they don't want to add extra players until the salary cap goes up because then their salary number, um, stays down. So they, they want to make sure they're making more money. So it's kind of one of those catch 22s where yes, you want more players, but the players ultimately don't want people taking their portion of money that they feel that they've rightfully earned um, because, I mean, that's what it's about. They're trying to feed their families. You know, it, it's hard to do it sometimes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And yeah. the expanded rosters make sense. As they expand seasons too, you can expect a shorter and shorter preseason as well because they're not going to want to take the wear and tear. And so 
if they add an additional 18th game, right, they're going to have to add a bye week, and they're probably going to have to take away one more preseason game. So you're looking oh, at they will. potentially two preseason games, right? So less time for the rookies to get prepared, but offset by the fact that you're going to have more games, which means you also have more... You're gonna have some. You're gonna have a better shot at getting weaker opponents during the season, which means you may see more season, in-season rest opportunities for players, especially if you're blowing a team out. Get your quarterback out early. Get your line out early. Let your young guys roll a little bit in some of those games. You're not gonna care as much about laying it on because you know you got those two additional games in season to clean and iron things out. It will. It's gonna fundamentally change the game. Having two bye weeks. Having 18 games. Um, it's going to fundamentally change it, and it also could be an expansion of the league. When it goes to 18 games, that is the perfect opportunity with two bye weeks to add teams from outside the country, uh, Mexico City, Toronto, or in fact, you know, somewhere in England um, or United Kingdom would be possibilities because now you have bye weeks for travel. And that has always been the question with, you know, with these things is how can they make it work? And that's one way they can make it work. The NFL held out the bye week in the negotiations for week 17 or an extra game, 17 games, didn't give them that spot because they're saving it because they know in 2024 when they renegotiate, they're going to get the 18th game because they're going to give the extra bye week. By then, the money is going to be through the roof. Maybe we'll have some extra special um, salary cap things that happen as well. I know we've teased before a quarterback only salary cap. If they could get to that point, they could definitely make this league more competitive, more exciting to watch. And 18 games will just make TV TV deals so much bigger, push the NFL season into way into February, um, and that means that they're occupying even more of people's time, which means people like it more. I mean, I, I know I'm not going to complain. I know yeah. I won't. Personally. There are people that don't like the extended or extended uh, schedules. Yes, there there are. But to those people, all I have to say is is why do you hate football so much? What's wrong with you? Why would yeah. you do this? Also, you also have to take into consideration if they are expanding the regular season, there is still a possibility that they expand the playoffs a little bit more it will. as well. So don't be surprised if they add another team, potentially two teams. I think it's going to be all eight. Eight, eight, eight. eight, eight. eight teams, and right. every single team, no buys. Every single team will play. I like that. I, I like that a lot. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm all right with that because it's going to – it's only going to actually increase parity throughout the league. Yeah. Because now if you have to have every team playing every single week and no one has a break or a, a freebie, right, that wild yeah. card round, if the wild card round is, is the wild card round because the wild card teams are playing and every team is, is on and going that weekend, the path to the Super Bowl is the same for everybody in terms of how many games you have to now play, number one, so you don't have that competitive disadvantage for those teams that aren't the number one overall seed or the number one and two overall seeds, on top of the fact that you now make it so that anything can happen on any given week. The only thing it does do is de-incentivize a team from playing hard at the end of the season. If you know, oh, I'm going to either be you know, first or second seed, and I'm not going to get a bye week, I might not play as hard in week 17 or week 18 or week 19. I might let it, you know, let somebody win because I don't really care. The only thing you have really at that point is home field advantage. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess home field advantage is still big, but is that enough incentive for these teams at that point? But I guess we'll come across that. Now, if they do add teams, if they added a team in Toronto, added a team in, in Mexico City, for instance, um, and you were all of a sudden sitting at 34 teams, then having nine teams make the playoffs would make sense. And then you go back to the number one team getting a bye and, you know, everything else is different. But wild card game is going to be on Monday Night Football now. That's something they never did before. That's going to be exciting. Um, 
So, I mean, they're definitely changing the game. It's all about money. Huge deals with some of these social media platforms. Uh, the NFL is finding ways to make money. The owners are getting rich. And hopefully they'll give a little bit more money to the players. But um, this is definitely where the NFL is headed. The NFL is definitely not slowing down like some of the other pro sports leagues. No, not even close. Um, and this is something that the NFL has done really, really right. And we like that. And the expansion they've done at the right times, they haven't waited too long. They haven't waited for things to get stagnant. They've kind of been ahead of the curve. Um, and that's what you have to do um, in the entertainment business. And listen, NFL football, it's a sport. We get that. But it is an entertainment business itself, in and yeah. of itself. You have to keep the fan base entertained and engaged. And Are you not entertained? That right there. That was great. That was a nice little mix there of Russell Crowe and Arnold Schwarzenegger on the one. It was beautiful. Uh, but get look. my hand. There's a bomb in here. Get out! Get out of here! Come on, dude. Uh, so look, I, I love that about the NFL is they they have found a way to try and stay ahead. And shout out to Luke Luna, yeah, once again, my guy. Done tattooing. Now I can pay attention. Yeah, thanks, Luke. We love that, Luke. We really appreciate we really it. appreciate Luke so much on this channel. Oh, man, everybody, every one of the Cutback yeah. crew has been phenomenal. It's fantastic. And by the way, since we're talking about the Cutback crew, you know, all you new people watching right now, you should hit that subscribe button and join. It's a great community. You will not regret it for one second. Hopefully. Probably not. Yeah, Luke's in the house. He is in the house. I yeah, Jason's in the house. It's true. Oh, man, we got Jason, too. We got we got the whole yeah. gang here, man. I love it. Jay yep. Bay here today, too. I love that as well. Um, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, Aunt. I'll tell you what. <sighs> Some not good things in 49ers <laughs> land have been popping up. Folks, it's not good. You, you, hate, you hate to really see this. The red helmets might be a thing, man. No, it's not. They might be a thing. No, it's not. No, you got to hear me out. They might be a thing. Look, they're being teased, right? RSF 49ers was putting stuff out there. George Kittle talked about how nice they looked and how sweet they looked and how he wouldn't mind wearing them. And I'm getting concerned. I hyperventilated a little bit. I had to, you can ask Megan. I grabbed the bag, a paper bag. I had to practice the breathing in and out. You know, if the bag's not moving, air still is flowing sort of thing. I'm worried that they're going to do this. They're going to make the red helmets a reality. And what if they do it? No. What if they do it? I mean, the, the one thing we got going for us is this year is the 75th anniversary of the San Francisco 49ers. Next year is not. And that's when they could possibly wear the red helmets. The rumor was that they reached out to the NFL about wearing them this year, and the NFL said no. Um, the NFL, thank God, hopefully someone from in there, maybe Merton Hanks, whoever it was, <laughs> said absolutely not. This is a terrible idea. Well, they probably didn't say it that way. But this is ghastly with a capital G. Um, it is terrible. I would not like these red helmets. I have tried. I have looked at every single form of the red helmet. People have posted all different kinds of the forms of the red helmet. It doesn't matter which one it is. It is straight ug. Okay, it does not work for me. I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, so give me gold. I enjoy it. Give me black. The one that Gary designed that the me mat, and him were yeah. talking about the on mat, Twitter. Nice. Um, I like that. Anything where the dark empire with the black jerseys. But if we're wearing the white uniforms like we've been wearing and then the red throwbacks, um, let's let's stick with the gold helmet. It is a nice contrast. It looks very nice. The, it, it's clean look. Um, you're doing too much, okay? This is this is the same as when DeBartolo tried to change the 49ers logo, and that went down the drain really quick because that was UG as well. And this could be that same moment. Don't do it, 49ers. Do not ruin what is the best uniform combination in the league. So you mean to tell me that it's UG and it's not uh? No, it's definitely not uh. It's not uh. It's UG. That's a great story, by the way. We'll have to tell that to you guys sometimes. That's a wonderful, uh, the uh story the is a good uh story. story. 
today. Yeah, it, it, we should we should probably have a segment about that. A, a about pe- the, uh. No, I think we maybe we should have an uh player of the of the game. Oh man, that guy's uh. <laughs> oh my lord almighty. Shout out to shout out to Corey. <laughs> Corey, way to go, bro. Coming up with a segment. Come up with a segment. You didn't I mean technically you didn't come up with it, but yeah. your performance led to it coming up with it. So big big props to you there, man, for that uh segment. Um I can well, I know Gary has the black helmet on Twitter. I can put the black. We can put the black helmet on Twitter and on Instagram after the show. We will um, show everyone what it looks like. It is a nice design. He did a good job working on it, mm-hmm. um, and you put it with the black uniforms, and it's nice. As far as the white helmet, Gary, um, when we saw the white, to me, it just came off real Stanford-ish. Very, um, very Stanford. Yeah, very Stanford-ish, and it almost looked collegiate and not NFL. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan. It it just it didn't it didn't really jump out. But I know some people like it, um, just like some people like the old gold chrome. You know, I mean, it's not my favorite. I'm more on with the gold chrome than I am with the red helmet. I'll take the gold chrome before I take the red helmet. Yes, every time. But no. How are your feelings on the late '90s red face masked gold helmets that Steve Young and those guys wore? I don't hate them. Yeah. I'm not. I, I I don't despise them. Yeah. Are they my favorite thing in the world? No. But I don't look at it and like. Let me rip that face mask off and don't yeah. ever put it on again, sort of thing. When I see the reds, I don't want to rip the face mask off. Just play. I'd rather you play without a helmet. I kind of like the red they use now too. I, I yes, you know, the red they use now is better. That uh, that red is not was not. It was like a, almost a burgundy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it it wasn't it wasn't my favorite. I didn't I didn't mind it. I like the whites. Um, the whites with that kind of like a, a maroonish with the gold. I thought those were clean. I had the Jerry Rice jersey in that, and I thought it was really nice. Yeah, but when you got nice. into the the reds, to me it wasn't as favorable, but it was still not a bad uniform. I'll try my very darndest just for you, JLE, to pull it up on this here. No promises or guarantees, but I will I will do my darndest. Um, but no, yeah, the cutback is a is a fan of the gold helmets. We love our gold helmets. Yeah, we do. I I enjoy the gold helmets. Not much really change nice. is necessary or needed. I, I will I will consider the matte black so that Gary put out there for sure. Yeah, for I sure. think if you're going all black uniform, you put those on, it works. Hundred percent. Doesn't not work. Doesn't not work at all. A uh, couple other things that have been brought up and talked about. Uh, we had a 49ers beat writer for 49ers.com where, you know, you can get all your 49ers news from the team itself directly there. He came out after the state of the franchise and gave his projected 2021 MVP and his projected 2021 breakout star. For the 49ers? For the 49ers. Okay. These are two names that I think we would both agree with and pretty much every single 49ers cutback crew member and 49ers faithful would agree with. His MVP, projected MVP, was Bosa for 2021, and his breakout star was Brandon Ayuk. So you think everyone's going to agree with that? I think everyone's going to agree with Bosa. I don't. You don't think so? No. Who do you think they think the breakout star would be then? Or the, the MVP would be, excuse me. Who, who, do, who, do, who does who think should be the MVP? Who do I think should the MVP Who's should the MVP be? be? Well, I don't know if you can expect Bosa to come back coming off the ACL and, and breakout star right now. Especially, he's going to get the most attention on the defensive line. That's a, that's true. So they're going to roll double teams. Do I think he's going to have an impact on this team? Yes. Do I think he's going to have a good season? Yes. Do I think he's going to be the MVP? That is a big, tall order coming from a defensive player. It's true. You're more than likely to get it from an offensive player, um, somebody that could you know have a big year. I would say George Kittle um, would be the number one offensive player that could be the MVP if he stays healthy 16 games. 
and Jimmy stays healthy or Trey comes in and plays well, George Kittle would be the first option. Um, second, I think, would be Fred Warner after that. Um, I, I think those two are at the top of the list as far as MVP. I don't think Bosa's a bad choice. I just think he would be third on the list for me as far as somebody that could have a MVP-type season. I think it's hard for a defensive lineman to have an MP, MVP season coming off an injury. Uh, I don't disagree with you there. However, if, we've know, if we know one thing about Nick Bosa, the motor is high. If he's healthy, he's very hard to stop. And yeah. if everyone else in this D-line is getting better and improving, then it's going to be very, 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 very hard to focus solely on only Bosa. Um, breakout star for me, though, Brandon Ayuk, that name. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm so shocked you liked it. I know. I mean, surprisingly, I'm just going to be all on board for that. Like, yeah. Just all over it. Um, there are definitely other names. Yes, yeah, Jalen Hurd. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so surprised. That's why I said it. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Uh, look, at the end of the day, right, that's just going to, there's a lot of There's a lot of options here. There's a lot of options. And bam, there you go. Oh, there's the helmet. There's the black helmet there. Chat, I know I covered you all up. I apologize sincerely. I really, truly do. I wanted to make sure that you could get a good look at it. So there, there it is. There it is right there. There's the matte black that Gary did. That's all Gary right there. Yeah, that's us. Gary. It's beautiful. I love it. I was looking at Ant there for a second. I, I love that. That's great. That's also great. But that, well, thank that's you. also really good. I, I appreciate well. the support. That's what I'm here for. You know, just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit of love. Just a little bit. Uh, so I, I thought those were two names that were interesting. Um, I think there's definitely some debate to be had there. But I think the 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 common fan, yeah, the common 49er fan, who's out there pushing uh, Thanos-like conspiracies about Trey Lance being ready uh, for Week One to be the starter are going to agree that Nick Bosa is probably the MVP and Brandon Ayuk could be the breakout star. There may be some other names out there. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see Trey Sermon's name being tossed about out there as well for breakout star for 2021. Aaron Banks wouldn't be one that surprises me either. Um, a name that no one would say that I think both of us think could have a big breakout huge year, Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, he could. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if people in 49er land would consider it a breakout year for him. I think he's already had breakout years. You know I what I mean? I think 2019 was a banner year for him. He had a really good season. Yeah. Um, that is part of the reason, you know, that I, I just think that. But when we're talking about, once again, I'm just going to go into this just a little bit. I don't want to go too far into it because it becomes a, a real rabbit hole when we're talking about Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, when it comes to Trey Lance and people saying that he's ready, what has changed from OTAs to now that would make you think all of a sudden that he's ready? Because you saw his workout videos with him throwing to River Craycraft where River Craycraft slows up and eases up and catches the ball. This is literally rhythm warm-up throws that you do in practice every single day. My high school kids could execute this on a high level, then get in the game and not execute it on a high level. <laughs> this is this is kind of just the day one stuff, warm-up stuff. Do I like Trey Lance? Absolutely. But can we stop? There is absolutely nothing going on right now that is making Trey Lance the starting quarterback over Jimmy Garoppolo before training camp. Let training camp happen. If he comes in and beats out Jimmy Garoppolo. He just straight balls, man. Then it's his job. Awesome. Dude, we're on board. Let's go. Colin Coward can take his 9-8 and eight and shove it up his hoo-ha. Yeah. It's just, it's, what are we looking at? You know, this is like a person that says they're better at driving and they haven't drove yet. How did you get better? I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I guess people need talking points and things He's to talk gotta about. He's got to have something to talk yep. about. He's running out of content and ideas. He can't keep talking. He can't keep having those uh, 
those uh, cone phone episodes, they just can't keep doing. Well, it. there's no breakdown of actual players, That's right? Also true. No, no actual breaking down of the game, mm-hmm. how it works, how the ins and outs of football. It's all about transactions. Well, we, it's all about players. It's all about hyperbole. Yeah. Well, we saw we saw what happened when he tried yeah. to break down film. Right? He got called out by Eric Armstead in about two seconds. Yeah. And that'll continue to happen. That's true. Jay in the base of Shanahan throw ten out of ten. Ah, uh, dude, that was inc- that was yeah. nice. Listen, it was a little wobbly. Right, I, I don't know if I can give it a not a perfect ten out of ten. It wasn't a perfect spiral. Yeah. Um. But it, it's a solid eight and a half at the very least. How 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 long before Kyle Shanahan at during practice and we know we're going to hear about it pushes Trey Lance to the side and says, "No, this is how you do it." Oh, hundred percent. Or it's Jimmy Garoppolo, this is how you do it. First week of training camp. Hey, First week hey, of training. Camp. Actually, I don't want him to do it to them. I want him to do it to Rosen. No, Rosen. Let me show you how it's done. Okay, I don't know what they taught you. I don't know what they taught you at UCLA, but this is how we do it in the big leagues. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Kyle Shannon just pushing him back, pushing him aside? And the episode that Grant will have off of that, right? Oh, Kyle Shanahan humiliates Josh Rosen. This guy is completely <laughs> unprofessional. How could you do that to this man? How could you do it? It would to be him? fun. It would be fun. It'd be hilarious. Yeah. Look though, that that the. The balls to do that, throw it across Ooh, the street. Ooh, gave him a 9 out of 10 because oh, it wasn't a good celebration dance. Uh, hold on a second. If we have to include the celebration and the reaction, it's a 10 out of 10 because he, he dropped the WTF bomb as Joe Staley is grabbing him and like complete shock on his face that he actually pulled it off on his first try. If it's, if it's that, if you yeah. have to include the celebration, it's a 10 out of 10. Without the celebration, just form, technique, release, right? All of that, 8.5. If it's a perfect yeah. spiral, he gets a 10 out of 10 on it. He gets an 8.5 for that reason. Yeah, and Fable brought up about, he thought we were talking about uh, Cowherd the whole time. We do have a bone to pick with Cowherd as well. We'll get there. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get Cow- there. Cowherd, is, Cowherd is, he's been marked. Cowherd is being a coward. Yeah. But, um, Ooh. I don't know where he came up with that. Man, that was a tough one. I can I, tell I you what. So. Tough. That was a tough one to come up with. Uh, but look, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited for... I'm really excited to see what he can develop into, Trey, especially in the preseason and training camp, but it's got to happen. As of right now, it's yeah. nothing. Everything that he's done so far, um, and this, I mean, we can connect this directly right to DJ Jones's comment this week. Yes. All the videos you put out of you working, I don't care about none of that because that, none of that means anything until you actually step on the field, right, and you go to battle. Until the bullets start flying. You, none of those things. And we t- I talked about this in our quarterback breakdown where I talked about my concerns with Trey Lance, right? My concerns with Trey Lance are that he has all the changes he's made are all changes that he's made and hasn't put on tape in an actual physical game yet. I haven't seen the, the footwork improvements in live action yet. I haven't yes. seen the mo- throwing motion in live action yet. All of my concerns about Trey Lance still exist until I see him live in game action. Yeah. And once he shows, hey, the release is quick, it's cleaned up. Hey, the footwork's cleaned up. It's nicer. It's quicker. Right? He's got a good solid base. Hey, he gets yo. his feet around, he pushes, he drives, all that stuff. Once I see that, I'll feel better and I'll shut up about the, my concerns with Trey Lance. But it's it, it's not happening until I can't I can't be confident with it until I see it. Yeah, well the problem Gotta is the problem is you're a coach. And I'm a coach. Matt Burgos knows this. He coached quarterbacks and had camps. Is when you are coaching a position, you train them and you train them and you train them and you train them and then they get on the field and some of those guys can't duplicate what they did in practice because their body hasn't built up enough muscle memory to do it without thinking. 
right now Trey Lance is able to think about everything he's doing, which is awesome. I'm glad he's able to think about it, make sure his motion is right, make sure all of that is good. But we used to see this with Tim Tebow, right? Remember he worked, how many balls did he throw? It was like a thousand balls a day trying to change his motion. And then he got back in, into where bullets are flying and the motion went back to the same or really similar. When Trey Lance gets into the preseason and his motion stays the same and his footwork stays the same and he does everything right, we will have no more concerns about Trey Lance. The one that will have concerns is Jimmy Garoppolo because the gorilla is coming for him in a big way to take that position because Trey Lance is a gorilla shadow over him. He might as well be King Kong in that room because uh, he's impressive. That guy is going is impressive um, stature, size, speed, uh, physicality, intelligence. Everything is there, but he has to pick up the offense and he has to make sure that all of his techniques and everything is right and good to go. Oh, I, I 100% agree with you. Megan, shout out for the super chat there, the little devil with horns. I don't know what that's directed at. I hope it's not us being like the devil And also with Jason, yeah. And then Jason, uh, I just like... I just like the emoji. I love the I do. I like it too. In. It's a great meme. I, I love memes. You can post memes and, and get just post them. It's all good. We, we love that. We absolutely love that indeed. Um, man, I'll tell you what, Monica, by the way, show is a 10 out of 10. We like that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We greatly appreciate that. Um, but no, DJ Jones's comments hit on the nose with this thing in particular yeah. and just in general with 49ers fans and just fans across the league. It's not even 49ers fans. I won't even, won't even say 49ers. It's fans in general. I am, I have never, ever, 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 ever judged a player's work ethic on the type of things they post in the off season. What? Never. It's never, ever happened. I don't give a hoot if you post or don't post. I'm going to know. I'm going to know. Once we get to games, yeah. live games, I'll know. Everyone will know if you've been working or developing or doing things. You could just show up for media day, right? For interviews, like Jimmy Garoppolo did, and sat down in that chair and looked at, took one look at Jimmy Garoppolo and went, oh, Jimmy's been working. Yeah. This cut Jimmy. This is, Jimmy took... Jimmy was already a 10 out of 10 in the looks department, and then he showed up cut, chiseled, shoulders are bulging out, right? The tricep definition through his his. I'm not freaking sure I like where fit. this is going. Listen, I don't, I don't know if this is going <laughs> either, but the drive fit he had on, I could see I could see the tricep definition in the outline of the shirt, and I'm like, who's this Jimmy Garoppolo? This Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't here last year in 2020. This Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't here in 2019. This is a different Jimmy. Jimmy's been working. Yeah. Those things show, right? You don't have to post those things for the development to shine through and the idea that you're been, you've been working hard for it to, to come out in, in the light. Yeah. Right? I don't care what you post. And DJ Jones put that out there. And I was like, you know what, DJ? I liked you. Now I really like you. Yeah, DJ Jones is a dog. I loved what he said. Um, I couldn't post it quick enough on Instagram. Hey, no. <laughs> uh, I literally saw it, and I actually think I got it out there first because um, I really wanted to talk about it. Thanks, Monica. Shout out to Monica for always you know being there. Um, leaving nice comments and having great chats and pretty hilarious too, by the way. Um, yeah, Monica's on her game. Yeah. She's on her A game. Though the one thing I'll say is DJ Jones is right. Um, the other thing is I have no problems with these guys posting their videos. The, the, I have zero problems with them posting what they're doing and showing the work that they're putting in. I think sometimes that will lead to other players. You know, it kind of keeps every player in check. Um, it is a way to make sure that everyone's working. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is the response to these videos is what I have the most problem with. It's every single Trey Lance throw is he's the best ever. i seen George Kittle put out video today of him uh, running routes and making catches. And the first thing I went and looked at was the comments. 
And what I loved was what Fred Warner and some of those guys were saying was like, man, I wish I could have my own photographer at practices to take pictures of me. <laughs> um, you know, so th there is kind of one of those things where as long as you don't read too much into it, it's fine. Do I want to see these guys working? Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to see nothing from them unless you're Jalen Hurd because you're just moving in, in silence and in dark. And one day you're going to be an assassin on the field and you're going to take everyone out. Um, but that is another story. Uh, I, I just can't wait for it. And I, I just think it's funny how people blow things out of proportion when it comes to online videos. I mean, you, if you watch content on YouTube or anywhere else, you are going to find somewhere where they're going to post a workout video and attempt to break it down. And most of the workout videos that they that they're breaking down are warm up videos. Those throws, like George Kittle running routes and stuff, that's not exactly something he you know he's doing. That's not just like a typical warm up. He wasn't working on very much. He was just getting the defensive player's hands away and then making his route and catching the ball with the two feet in. That is not something huge where he's working on a technique thing that's over the top. Um, the throw to River Craycraft was definitely a warm up. So we're looking at warm ups right now, and we're breaking it down and acting like that is what's going to make these guys stars in the NFL. Don't see it. I don't believe it. And I never will. Um, so you're not going <laughs> to convince me otherwise on this. But I do like seeing it as far as I just like seeing these guys work. No, I, I like seeing them put in the work, right? I like I like watching the videos to be like, oh, look, he's working on this. Or, oh, man, he, maybe he's working on that. Yeah. Or if it's a warm-up video, it's like, okay, well, cool. That's, that's, that's just nice to see. But I don't like try and watch those things and be like, oh, ooh, let me talk about how he's going to improve this year on his intermediate routes from 12 to 15 yards because of this footwork. Yeah. It's, it's like, you don't. Well, think about it. All the people that were talking that Kyle Shanahan was holding Trey Lance back by not having him roll out in OTAs early on <laughs> are the same people that are saying he's ready to play starting quarterback from standing there and throwing the ball, not even making a complete drop. It's impressive. It's a complete 180. When Kyle Shanahan's not on the field, Trey Lance is developing beyond his years. Yeah. When Kyle Shanahan's on the field and having him holding develop... Him, holding him back. Holding him back, yeah. He's running the Jimmy Garoppolo offense, whatever the heck that means. I'm inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, my my lord. I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, someone had brought it up. They, they talked about the elephant in the room, and you know what? There is, there's a big fat elephant in the room. Yeah, the elephant in the room, Jay Ellie just asked me, have I got the jersey yet of Jalen Hurd? No, that's not the elephant. Th that is room. definitely the elephant, no, and the elephant. I will say no, to you, um, Jay Ellie, that no, because I'm waiting to see what number he ends up with. I know he's 14 right now, but I have this – I just want to make sure he's going to be 14 for the regular season. He's going to be healthy. That is obviously the sure. elephant in the room, by the way, Alex. I, I will not be swayed otherwise. Look, I, um, because I think everyone wants to know when that Jalen Hurd jersey is going to debut on the show. <sighs> it's going to happen. As soon as it is official that he's 14, that jersey is going to be on me. It's going to be looking nice. And I'm going to be hurting everyone to the end zone to watching multiple end zone celebrations. I am king of the Jalen Hurd fan club. Not only is he the king of the Jalen Hurd fan club, man, he's the king of puns. That's great. Yes. Off the top of his head. Where did you come up with hurting them in the end zone? That's incredible. I've been working on it for like the last three months. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's a good. Hey, I'm, I'm yeah. proud of you. I'm proud of you, family. At really... first it was herders, and then it just developed, you know, and ing just made more sense. That's true. Megan, I did forget the Thanos glove. I do have myself an Infinity Gauntlet ant, so now whenever we refer to uh, Thanos, we can, you know, also give an image for the people who struggle to understand why Thanos. Uh, look, though, there's an actual elephant in the room, right? There's a real elephant in the room that we got to discuss. And I'm it's, looking around. There's no elephant. Okay. Metaphorical elephant. Oh. All right. You got to be, be, be clear. This man did people some... People are so literal. Yeah, listen, this man did some things. They are very literal. This man did some things, and he put some stuff out there that I just... It can't be forgiven. It can't be forgotten. Colin Cowherd 
has the 49ers at 9 and 8, folks. 9 and freaking 8, finishing third in the division, one game better than the Arizona Cardinals, two games worse than the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams, and worst of all, making the playoffs as a wild card team. The worst part about his take is that he literally states the 49ers are capable of winning the Super Bowl. But I got to hedge my bet here. Jimmy Garoppolo's recent history is he's not going to play 17 games. I'm sorry. This team almost won games last year with Nick frickin' Mullins and C.J. Bethard at quarterback. You now have Trey Lance, who we I think we all would feel right off the jump, yeah. is going to be a better fit than both of those guys. How are they finishing 9-8? and eight? Can someone explain that to me in what world? Is he thinking that both guys aren't playing? No. Oh, so he's just a clown. Yeah, he, remember he went heel on Trey Lance. Oh, that's true. He didn't. Go he heel he on went Trey Lance. heel. This is that's right. We covered that on the on it, a live stream. It's still showing showing this. Uh, yeah, in fact, Caleb is the one that brought that up. He did, Shout and that in fact is true. Colin Coward is a heel when it comes to um, Trey Lance. I don't know if it has something to do with his daughter or what is up with that, but for some reason he doesn't think. Look, they're not going nine and eight. Okay, they're winning at least ten games. We know that I've I've picked them to, I believe, win thirteen games this year. Um, 13 and 13 and four. So that is what I think is going to happen. I'm not freaking out about, you know, Cowherd saying this. The one thing that did frustrate me, well, before I'll go that, cause I did see Caleb comment on, uh, Jimmy Ward's comments. Yes. Where Jimmy Ward said, basically Matt Stafford, he is who we thought he was, or they, you know, basically Denny Green. Basically he wasn't that good in Detroit. Why would I think he would play any better Damn. in in Ramsland, and that's a good point. Uh, thank you, David Boo Cowturd. I agreed. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. Right thank now. you for that. Um, is yes, Jimmy Ward is coming out and asserting himself right away as a guy. He's feeling confident in his abilities and what he can do. Um, he he's he's ready to go, and I think he is going to ascend this year. I th I've I said earlier I think he's going to make a Pro Bowl. I said that in one of our earlier videos. He did. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl player this year. I think this is your Jimmy Ward steps up and makes plays. He's figured the health out, and that's why he's feeling so confident. He feels confident working with D'Amico Ryan's. Um, so I I think it's going to be nice. I think I think Jimmy Ward is ready to go, and he's letting everyone know. Look, don't don't even come here because I got something for you. True. I mean, uh, uh, look at at the end of the day, man, Jimmy Ward can. Have a big, huge, gigantic year. And I loved him putting that out there now. Um, not waiting until we got a matchup. Letting, letting them eat and feed on that right now, early before we even get to training camp. You can use that as bulletin board material all you want because at the end of the day, the Niners have plenty of bulletin board material to use against the Rams as well. Um, and, and the worst part about Cowherd's comments, it wasn't that he had just the Niners at 9-8. and eight. He had the most to say about the 49ers. Every other team had like a one- or two-line snippet. The Rams, easily the best team in the – easily the best division in football, and the Rams with Stafford will be better in division, so he hasn't won the division. They're going to be better than I think they were last year. Yeah. But that's you can't take that out against the Niners because the Niners were injured last year. Um, on the Seahawks, they have some new pieces here. And this is a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. I have been hearing a lot of people talking about the Seahawks because when we put out the video about who is the biggest threat – the Seahawks have been overwhelming the team beyond the, the Rams that we've heard. Correct. Um, there were people that were with us. It was the Rams. And then there's been a lot of people that were the Seahawks. 
And they've been talking about a lot of the additions that they brought in and a lot of fear about the pass rush for the, the Seahawks. Um, besides Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams, the other defensive end, I'm not too concerned about the pass rush or the Seahawks. Um, Jamal Adams still struggles in coverage, so he's one heck of a DN, though. If they zone blitz, you know, you might have to worry about him covering George Kittle. I don't know if that's a matchup issue for them or not. <laughs> it's just the greatest. Oh, Jamal Adams, defensive end. That's so great and true. What if he got voted to the Pro Bowl as a defensive end? Because he had like six sacks. Congratulations. We're going to get 10,000 subs and 10,000 likes <laughs> if that happens. If Jamal Adams ends up being a DN, you all need to at Jamal Adams on Twitter <laughs> just with cut, hashtag cutback call it. You can just leave it at that and it'll be, it'll be all good. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, think, I think the Rams are the best, not the best team, but the best, best chance to dethrone the Niners and take them off the pedestal in terms of winning the division. In terms of Cowherd's thoughts on the Seahawks and a lot of fans' thoughts on the Seahawks, um, we addressed a lot of that in that episode, right? Russ always cooks. Russ has cooked. He's cooked. Yeah. He's cooked. He's cooked against the Niners. He's cooked against everybody in the NFC West for a very, very long time. Um, at some point in time, though, Father Time comes for us all. That O line is as bad as it's ever been. As it's ever been, and I'm sorry. I hate to break it to folks. Yeah, I, David, I agree with you. Apparently, the pass rush is better, and they added Kerry Hyder, who oh okay wasn't going to be anything for us until half of our D-line went down with an injury. And I'm sorry, even last year, I mean, the stuff he did last year was great, but can we be realistic here? Can we be honest about Kerry Hyder? Kerry Hyder wasn't sacking the quarterback the same way that D. Ford and Nick Bosa was sacking the quarterback in 2019. No. He's not getting there in three seconds. He's getting there six, seven seconds after the snap. Play has been, play is gone. It's happened, right? Quarterback's dropping back. There was inside pressure, so he has to break it out of the pocket. And then Kerry Hyder's you know, working really hard, getting out there, and then catching someone by their shoelace, and they're going down, and it's a sack for it's it's a, it's a sack. That's what Kerry Hyder brings to the table: high motor energy, can put himself in the right position to make plays. You know what Kerry Hyder isn't a playmaker. He are, does. Are you worried about Kerry Hyder at all against Trent Williams? No. And they're going to want Dunlap on McGlinchey, so you're going to get Kerry Hyder against Trent Williams. So. Um, I'm not worried about that at all because he will get absolutely eaten. Yeah. And he will also struggle in the run game against those two guys because Seattle runs a different D-line system. True. Yes, they run the same defense as the 49ers, but they do not run the same D-line system. The wide nine is a real thing, and the way Chris Kacerik coaches it and teaches it is a lot different than what they do up there in Seattle. Tom Cable is, is, is not it, okay? He's just not. He hasn't been it anywhere, really. Yeah. We got Shanahan, not Cable. True. Yeah. Thank God. We got DirecTV. <laughs> Gotta love DirecTV. Yeah. Uh, DirecTV, you can sponsor this at any time. Um, I, I think I think Seattle's taking a step back. I get I get the fact that they're all hyped about their team. Um, and maybe that's why the maybe that's why CBS decided to name the 49ers the most overrated team in the NFL. <laughs> I mean Look, the 49ers hate is coming out in full force this year, folks. You it really is. you really love to see it. It didn't happen last year. Which but you is... know why it's coming out. Why? Because they are mad at Kyle Shannon and John Lynch for giving them absolutely nothing. You mean to tell me that the media holds grudges and acts like petulant children? Especially in the sporting world, yes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I'm shocked. I'll yes. tell you. Shocked. 
You think you think Bill Walsh actually liked the Bay Area media? No. No, he didn't. No, not even a little no. bit. Look, I, I just it is what it is, right? This is what the media is gonna do. This is what they always do. Um, especially when they don't get their way and things don't go the way they want it to go. They are going to spin things to benefit them somehow, some way. Um, and to punish punish the those small peons who decided to step on their toes and prevent them from having the thing that they wanted or the story that they wanted. They wanted Trey Lance information and pick number three information, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch decided to sit at home and play pinball. Yeah. And just not talk to anybody about it and just, like, you know, have a little secret group me chat sessions where they're saying, <laughs> why don't we put out that this guy's going to get drafted and just have a good time with it, right? And it drove everybody up a wall and nobody knew what was going on, and it, it threw the media and everyone into chaos, and they all made buffoons of themselves. Yeah. I do think Fable brought up he's happy that they have so many doubters. Um, the one thing I will say, too, is last year, I think it was fully expected for them. Everyone thought they were going to make a run at it again. Yes. The revenge tour and all that stuff. So they were playing from kind of a different angle. Or this year, they're playing from, you know, kind of an unseen angle where there's just so many people that are hating on them. They're going to be able to fly under the radar a little bit, not have as much pressure on themselves. Um, and now they can go out and execute again. Because in 2019, they came out of nowhere. No one expected Correct. it. So until they got to like 5-0, and 6-0, and no one paid attention to them. Um, I think this year it, it won't take as long, but they'll have once they beat Green Bay in Week Three and go three and zero. That is, yeah, th- that just happened. That's that's not a prediction, people. That's a spoiler. Um, that's happening. Once they go three and zero, people are going to start talking about them because they're going to beat the brakes off of Green Bay. I agree. And then that. everybody's going to go crazy on. Oh my gosh, here come the 49ers. You know who else agrees with you? Tyler Menting also agrees he with does. you. He's not looking forward to that game at all. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that game, especially since last year I was, you know, kidnapped in the basement with the Joker and stuff. Uh, and thank God Batman is a friend of the show. But I, I think this is going to be uh, – that's going to be a very big game. I think it's entirely possible that, that the Niners cement themselves as the team in the NFL after week three. Um, and I'll tell you what. It, you just said it. Fable just said it. We have a much easier schedule this season. Much yeah. easier schedule this season than last year. Well, it's on paper, like you said, because mm-hmm. we, you know, you always have teams that are going to shake out a different way. But it is a more favorable schedule than last year. When you don't win your division, the next year it's easier. That's just the way it is. But the fact they finished in the basement makes it a whole lot easier. Monica's right. Las Vegas does have the 49ers winning the division. So, I mean, who you want to agree with, Colin Cowherd or Vegas? Very true. Megan, are, Megan, are you referring to the food that we're going to be making when we go on with the Uniteds for Sizzle and Sundays? Because if that's the question, then no, we haven't decided yet. No, we haven't. No. We got some other big things, though, planned that we are, we've been more focused on. You know, the food we feel like we can kind of wing. And, you know, at the end of the day, too, we always have Tommy. Yeah. Right? Tommy could whip something up for us, and we'll be, we'll be all right. And that's what the Cutback crew is here for, right? To save us in times of doubt. That's true. Tommy could pick us up. He could. 100%. Whenever we're down. Yeah, um, so that. that would be nice. Uh, Matt Burgos, not sure if I'm late on this probably, but comments on the second practice violation during OTAs. Um, there was a second practice violation? I haven't seen that one yet. So Matt, I will be pulling that up right now. Or if you want to send me a link to it, that'd be great. I did not see anything about a second practice violation. I did see the first one that stemmed from the Diameter Lenore, Austin Watkins, you know, viral video of him absolutely dominating uh, Watkins. And then they find Kyle Shanahan, $50,000, find the team. Um, for the first response, if they did have a second one, that is when you get into bigger fines and you start inching closer to them taking away draft picks. I think that would be huge news. I haven't heard anything about a second violation. I'm still not seeing a second violation, so I'm wondering. Ordinary is penalized for second time of for offseason violations. 
hit again for off-season practice violation during OTA. The team was fined 100000 and Kyle Shanahan was fined 50000 Oh, so that was considered the second one. That was considered the second fine. Oh, okay. Okay. So, there we, so we are up to date with those fines. I just didn't realize that was considered the second fine. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it was gonna, they were going to get dinked for it, so. And I'm, I guess I'm one of the only ones that doesn't have a problem with this. I, I seen a lot of the, maybe it's the coach in me, but guess what, guys? Stuff like this happens all the time. You, you think it doesn't? You know, all you have to do is go to any single high school or college field. You're going to find them making some sort of error as far as following the rules. It, it is hard sometimes to make sure everything is going completely Unless right. it's Coach Collins and he's got every single X cross on the dot when there's no, when there's no equipment. That man would go buy towels. I don't know if you remember this. Buy towels. He'd wrap them, wrap them with like a piece of paper or something in the middle, so it was a little bit harder into a football shape, and then would put tape over it. Oh, so you could use it instead of footballs? Oh, yeah, glorious. We used water balloons. That was, that's also a good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. Also, it, it was good. It, it, it worked out. I was wondering what the heck we were doing out there, and then he was like, "We're practicing," and I'm like, "Yeah, but we're not supposed to use the ball." And he goes, "We're not using the ball." And I was like, "What are we using?" And he goes, "Towels." Yeah, towels, I like it. Towels to say, and I was like. You're genius. Oh my God. You're opening my eyes right now. Opening my eyes. Do to do. Dungy in Arizona? As far as Arizona Cardinals? Is it, or is he, I thought you were still at Arizona State, is he not? Uh, that's not Dungy. That's, that's uh, not Dungy. That's um, Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, yeah. That's Herm Arizona Edwards. State, yeah. Arizona State. So Dungy is going to Arizona? Is, I, that, is that true? I haven't heard anything. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Cliff Kingsbury going out and getting himself some uh, some experience there, if that's the case. <laughs> if that's truly the truly the thing, I'm I'm gonna check this right now. Tony Dungy. Yeah, and anyone that has any questions, go ahead and throw them out there. We will go with the live Q and A. You can ask anything you want. We will answer. Well, maybe not anything, but most of it. It's true. Very true. Matt, I'm not seeing anything on Dungy in Arizona. So maybe unless it's the college, unless it's Arizona University or something of that nature. So I don't know. Tommy has a gig tonight. If Tommy does have a gig, man, good luck. I hope that I hope that goes well for Tommy. Yeah, he was in our uh, our premiere this morning, mm. or not this morning, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. yesterday, yeah, he was in. So I haven't mm. heard. For, I actually haven't talked to him today. <laughs> Screw coward, Vegas, CBS. We're not going to be mediocre. Period. Four Niners are coming this year. It's revenge year, and teams are going to feel it. Agreed. Agreed. Luke, hundred percent. They're going to feel it. Oh, he meant he meant Edwards for recruiting restrictions in Arizona State during COVID. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The recruiting restrictions thing. Right, you play to win the game, bro. <laughs> play to win the game. I don't know what they're... Yeah. Don't hate the, don't hate the player. Hate the game. I mean, that, there's a lot of moving parts with all that, isn't there? Recruiting yes. in general. I mean, that's that's not the easiest thing. No, not not at all. Not yeah. not even a little bit. Uh, you know what? We've, we've done all of this, right? We've done all of this, and we haven't even, haven't even given them... The big tease. Oh, we should give them the big tease before we answer all the questions. We probably should give you the big tease before we answer all the questions. So look, look, look. We're Go gonna... ahead and keep filling up with questions, but we'll get to them. We but... can keep track, and we're going to keep track. But we got a new thing, a new segment, a new, I guess, show. Show, yeah. Coming to the 49ers Cutback. It's a fun show. Show about great things, right? Great times, great moments for the 49ers. Yes. Throughout history. Ladies and gentlemen, for the very first time on the 49ers Cutback and on our live stream, we have a teaser for Cutback in Time. And not just any kind of cutback, a 49ers Cutback. Cutback in Time, yeah. In Time.
Yes, a cutback in time, or 49ers cutback in time, is going to be coming to the channel very, very, very soon. Uh, So everyone be on the lookout for that. We will let you know exactly when it's scheduled. It could be Thursday. It could be. Might be might be a throwback Thursday. Who knows? It might be a throwback Thursday. Who knows? Cutback in time is coming. 49ers cutback in time especially. And we're going to be going over a lot of great moments that have happened in 49er land. You will want to tune in. You will get the whole trio. We will all be here for that one. Oh, yeah, we are. It's going to be a fun one, man. we got so much good stuff to talk about. There's so many great moments in 49ers history. So there's so many great things to talk about and different players we can highlight um, and that's that's kind of you know it's, that's another thing that we do a lot of and I spent a lot yeah. of time in our friend group is talking about these great moments and now we get to share these great moments with all of you and kind of put this idea down and put it on the show and put it on the pod and it's just extra content for you guys. It is. So it, it's going to be so fun. Yes, Matt. There's not going to be any of Bo Jackson's um, Raiders. We do not want Bo Jackson on that in in our world. No. I will say this: the intro video for that. You have to watch the end of the intro video um, when it gets released. Make sure you watch it. Something special. Uh, you will pick up on it. Hopefully, it is marrying or marrying things of the past with things of the future in a cool way. Very cool. I saw it today for the first time and brought a big smile to my face. Yeah, really, it's pretty cool. Really greatly enjoyed it. Uh, look, Alex had a, one, a question while while the uh, the teaser was playing yeah. for, for a 49ers cutback in time. If Jimmy G gets hurt in camp and it isn't season ending and Trey starts the season, does Jimmy G play at all when he gets healthy? No, I don't think so. I think if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down in camp and Trey Lance takes the wheel um, and the reins, I mean, when is Jimmy coming back? But I, I think you don't want to take Trey off the field at that point. That would be catastrophic for Jimmy Garoppolo as far as this season goes. He wants to stay on the field. Um, he wants to give no opportunities to Trey Lance to take his job. Agreed. Um, so he he needs to make sure one hundred percent that you know that he gets out there and he he does his job because and doesn't get hurt. Oh yeah, because if Trey gets on the field, I I have a weird feeling Trey's not coming off um, because as long as he's playing at least good, they're just going to roll with it because they're going to win because that defense is fantastic. That defense is fantastic. The only thing I could see, the only way that 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 Trey gets off the field and Jimmy comes back on is if Trey gets hurt himself or Trey starts struggling and turning the ball over and it costs the 49ers some games. If it costs the 49ers one or two games there early in the season, once Jimmy's back and healthy or middle of the season, if they're making a late playoff push, then yeah, I could see them making the jump back. It doesn't, I mean, look, we all know that Trey Lance is the quarterback of the future, right? If if you could get Jimmy in there at the end of the season and he goes on a tear and a run and the Niners get back to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, nobody is still going to fault you the next season for turning back to Trey and letting Jimmy go and trading him and getting a nice package for him. Except for the fact you saw what happened in Miami when Tua Tagovailoa struggled and then they brought in Fitz back in and they kept bringing Fitz in in certain situations. But that, if you're going to make if you make that change back to Jimmy, it's that. It's, yeah, it's that. It could be, the, and then it has to be. What if Jimmy gets hurt again? Well, and then, then he comes back after a couple weeks. Oh, see, that's different. Yeah, I mean, that's different. You're, you're. I don't that's know. It, it to me, it makes everyone question to attack of Aloha there, and there's no guarantee that when they Trey starts, be. he they doesn't be, Justin yeah. Herbert it and just True. take off and tear it up. True. I, I mean, think Jimmy needs to stay healthy. I think Jimmy just needs to stay healthy too. I think that's the best yeah. way. Um, is Trey winning? Asked David. Trey winning the job? Yeah. No. And the simple reason is I don't think that he will have a mastery of this offense by the time week one happens. Right. Um, yes, he has an understanding of this offense. Yes, he's grasped the install of the offense. That does not 
mean you have a mastery of this offense. That has been the the hard thing that has been I've been trying to convince people. Well, not people, but I've been hearing people say that yes, because he went through the install, he obviously understands and knows this offense. Those are people that don't understand how you install an offense and don't understand what happens along the way as you're still learning the offense. You are continuing to learning learn it until you get a mastery of where every moving piece is going to be. It's not just knowing the play. Every moving piece is going to be where what is going how is dictated by what for you know what defensive formation you're going against, what coverage they're in, what scheme they're running, reading the blitz, making the pass blocking adjustments, and um, it's just not going to be all there. It just can't be all there for Trey Lance yet. Um, it, could there be a possibility of him having enough to be able to start week one? There is a possibility, but I would still say it's unlikely at this time. It's extremely unlikely. Um, look, at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan, when Kyle, Kyle Shanahan didn't make, if you all remember, he didn't make the move with Jimmy once they traded for Jimmy right away, right? They didn't just bring this guy in who, by the way, wasn't a rookie, had been playing in a system, in a complex system in New England. Um, so it's not like he didn't have exposure to an NFL offense. Jimmy Garoppolo had a vast, vastly bigger head start than Trey Lance did. And even he had to sit five, six weeks before it was his time to go and for him to be the man. So it's going to take time, folks. Trey is is behind the curve in terms of understanding the offense fully. I know he has a little heads up over some of the other guys coming out in college because he oh, made line time. calls and things of that nature. But he also played against a much weaker type of, of team in, in college where he was at. Teams that maybe didn't have the pieces to be as complex or dynamic as NFL defenses can be, which is going to make his ability to decipher, I'm not saying he can't do it, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Have we seen it work, though, with guys from that, that that specifically from that college? 100%. Carson Wentz went there, yeah. and he had a lot of success, especially in year two, which is where Trey Lance is going to shine once he's had a full year to develop, a full year to get ready. So Trey Lance not winning it right now. Could he win it by halfway through the season? And Maybe, but something drastic would have to happen for that to occur. Um, but listen, just get comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo for this season, barring injury. Yes, and it's not that there's no slight against Trey Lance. Correct. Zero. None. I just think it we're we're putting a lot on this guy to learn this offense. The vast amount of plays, formations, personnel groupings, audibles, everything that he has to learn, verbiage, and we're expecting him to go out there and then, you know, be able to run it at a high level from day one. It is a lot to put on anyone. And if you don't have to put it on him, don't do it. Don't do Let it. Let this guy grow. Let him have success when he gets on the field. Don't put him in situations where he can struggle and then kind of stunt his growth. I think that is the first thing. Um, I did see Matt talk about Matt Stafford. I will say this. Yes, after hearing about what Kyle Shanahan said about Matthew Stafford, the 49ers definitely would have been interested in bringing on Matthew Stafford. Once Matthew Stafford got to the Rams, the 49ers – we're for sure going all in on picking up Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan was looking into it anyways before uh, Stafford was available, and then that was easy to make the move to go to three. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. It just made the most amount of sense. And when Shanahan made those comments and McVay and him talked about just that whole situation on the Flying Coach podcast, um, it's very obvious that the Niners wanted to improve the quarterback room, and the Matt Stafford move would have been a move to improve your starting quarterback. Um, they probably still would have drafted a quarterback yeah. in this draft. I just don't think they would have taken one where they did. And they still may have made a trade up to go get a piece or a weapon or some of some kind, uh, but they probably would have taken a quarterback in the second or third round behind Matthew Stafford, 
which would have made, you know, the Grant Cones of the world and Kel the Kellen Mond situation all the more viable and doable, and they would have been all so excited about it. Um, I, I don't think they would have taken another quarterback. I think if they had got Stafford, they they, I, no, I think they would have done what they did right now. And rolled with a Mullins or a Bethard? Yeah, they would have They would have moved on from Jimmy and possibly picked up somebody else. Um, you know, there were other guys that were available that you could have picked up that were cheaper. I think that would have been a slightly, a slight step up, personally. Oh, it's a step up from, it would have been a step up from Jimmy, the, the natural ability and talent. Is well, the there. natural ability and talent, the fact that you can stay on the field, yes, but then you still haven't well, addressed the other problem, right? Which is if your quarterback gets hurt, you have nothing behind him. I mean, you still have the same questions, though. Can Matthew Stafford learn this offense and run it um, to the high level? I see, I seen Jason talking about how they dumbed down the system for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that is one of the big things when we talked to Tyler Menting that we were talking about is the argument of will, would Kyle Shanahan, can Kyle Shanahan, Water this offense down enough that Trey Lance can run it, yes. Can they run an offense that's watered down and kind of put into a box that they can win with? And is Kyle Shanahan comfortable with that? As a play caller, you're 100% would rather run an offense with a player that's a little lesser talent but have more possibilities because a guy that can execute it, you can do more things, can still be more successful than a more talented player running a smaller version. I know this from experience. I've had guys that were way more talented than guys ahead of them, but because they didn't understand the offense and know how to run it, we couldn't put them in there until they were ready because they would hold the offense back from being able to execute all the different elements that you need to execute. Once again, it's not a slight against Trey Lance and his abilities. We all believe he's Captain America when it comes to on the field. He's going to be able to do it all. <clears throat> but Jimmy Garoppolo right now pulling the strings is just a little bit farther along and a little bit better than the even a – box version of this offense would look like with Trey Lance. Um, if you can tell me that this defense is going to be 2000s Ravens quality or 1984 San Francisco 49ers quality, then you could put Trey Lance out there right now. But I think if they thought that was possible, they would have already moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo, saved the money, and went ahead and went with Trey. But they don't think that because they still have Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster. Correct. And that's at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it's going to be very, very hard to – move on from Jimmy if Jimmy's playing well and is healthy uh, this season and just rolling with Trey unless you're guaranteeing yourself you have the best defense, one of the best defenses in history, right? You know it. You know what you have out there. D'Amico Ryans, right, is a godsend of a D coordinator and is is the next big thing in, in football in the coaching ranks. If you know all those things and you're safe. If you don't know all those things and we don't know all those things, then it's a risk to go with Trey Lance because, like you said, you're going to be in a box. And when you're in a box, you're more predictable. At the high school level, Pop Warner level, that's not that big of a deal if you're predictable because the oh, guy the guy it depends across, on who you're coaching. Well, yes, yeah, it depends on the guy across the field. Yeah. The guy across the field has no idea what's going on, then you're fine. If the guy has a pulse, then you know, you're not going to be as productive or as effective as you want to be. At this level, it's really, really hard to find a coach across the field that doesn't have a pulse unless the team is absolutely just throwing it away. Well, it's not just that, it's the players. Richard That's Sherman true. prepares to go against offensive coordinators. He knows the ins and outs of what they do. If now all of a sudden somebody has prepared, and let's say a prime Richard Sherman had prepared for Kyle Shanahan, and he knew the things that he could only do, you know, that it was in a box, this was all they could do because the quarterback didn't understand the full rank, you know, the full level of the offense, they could jump routes. They could do a lot of things that would make it hard to be successful in the NFL. Um, Yes, Trey Lance could still come in and be successful if the run game got going and they sure. were able to dominate that way. But once again, what we're talking about is the same thing. Isn't that the same problem we have with Jimmy Garoppolo? We talk about he do, he's not able to do much beyond the run. 
you know, be on the run game, it's like, okay, well, you're going to get the same thing with Trey. Let's not just count on it and put Trey out there because he could be successful in the same, you know, area. I agree with you there. Uh, Fable said, can you guys clarify if Dwight Clark was a wide receiver or a tight end? This is now a controversial subject to me. He's a wide receiver. He was, he was played, it was actually, his actual position was split in. Tommy Huxley has arrived, by the way. Um, so thank you, Tommy, for the super chat. Um, but yes, he was, in fact, a, a receiver. He was not a tight end. Uh, famously, on a lot of those teams, Russ Francis was the tight end. It's true. Um, there was a big difference, but at Clemson, Dwight Clark was a receiver. And for the 49ers, he was a receiver. That's part of the reason that um, Bill Walsh told him, you're, you're going to be, you're not going to be here very long because he knew he, as soon as he got to a certain age, he wasn't going to be able to play in this league anymore. Um, he didn't really have great speed. He had decent speed. He did have a way with the ladies though. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Shout out to good old Dwight there. Given strictly a defensive tackle, right? Rotational piece with DJ Jones slash Kinlaw. Yeah, I think so. Fair. I think you could see these guys at times. Um, they could put two guys that are, should be three techs. They could put them on the field at the same time um, and and pull the one tech off the field. So that is that is a possibility. But yeah, he's a strictly defensive or defensive line interior lineman. He's not going to play on the edge. Uh, Magnum McCormick with a great question here. What is your biggest what if in 49ers history? For him, it would have been not trading Charles Haley to the Cowboys in the 90s. That is a big one. I, I like that one. That's a really good one. Um, one personal to me is what if the refs wouldn't have called a penalty on Eric Wright against uh, the Steelers that would have won the 49ers that game and the 49ers would have went undefeated in 1984 and we never would have had to see those stupid 72 Dolphins pop another cork because it would have been over. Um, it was definitely not a penalty, so what if they wouldn't have called that? Forever in our lifetime, we would have been able to hang that over people's heads, and we could have been doing the cork popping. So that's that's what I'm going to go to. Uh, that's a good one. Um, for me, I'm going to go with one that's, that still stings me to this day. Um, it would have been it would have been the very first time that I would have seen the 49ers in a Super Bowl. Um I fully believe that wholeheartedly because the Giants went on to win it that year. Um, it's Kyle Williams' fumble on that putt. Oh, in 2011? Yeah, that, that one broke me to my core. That, Just, was, that, that was a painful one. I think it, – it, Here's the thing. It's for me, early 90s, a lot of that stuff I saw after the fact. Like, yeah. I, I saw – I witnessed it growing up, but I was a kid. I don't remember a lot of it. And I wasn't that much into football at that time. 2011. I'm I'm coming out of high school. I'm still very much into football at this point. Actually, becoming more and more involved in football, coaching, understanding the game better yeah. than I ever had. That one just broke me. I could throw a what if on that 2011 as well. What if the 49ers would have signed Terrell Owens and Randy Moss, oh. and not went with Brett Swain at <laughs> oh, wide receiver? Freaking duty! Um, he did not get open at all in that. No, game. and when he was open, he didn't catch it. Alex no. actually tried to throw it to him before Vernon caught the ball over the middle on that final drive of the grab. Yeah, and he didn't even like reach out his arms. It's like, where'd you guys find the Marlboro man, and why yeah. did you put him out there? It's terrible. <laughs> He's not good at no. all. No, it was really, really, really terrible. It was just awful. Uh. Oh man, I just scrolled up there too scrolled down too much there. Shout out again, Tommy. Man, you you freaking awesome person. Uh my goodness gracious. There it is. Another juice. If Shanahan had stayed at the correct hotel in Cancun, might have gone with Stafford. Yeah, that's what I brought up yeah, earlier. Yeah. Good. Uh da, 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 da. if Jimmy G hurt 
and Trey is winning, say five and one, do you bring Jimmy G back? We kind of already talked about that, David. At five and one, no. At five and one, no. no you're no, you're no. rolling with Trey. You're you, this guy's winning football games. Correct. Is it negative for Trey's long term development sitting this year if Jimmy plays all season? No. No, I I mean, was it negative for Patrick Mahomes? Was it negative for Aaron Rodgers to sit two years? Um, I, I think this is something that has changed lately as we've gotten into um, the new era where everyone wants everyone to start right away because it's a shiny new toy and no one can wait for Christmas Day to open it. They all want to open it a week or two weeks early. Um, just wait, okay? It's exciting. O- open up that new video game. Open up that new you know, toy. Uh, just just wait for it to happen. When it happens, it, then when you get it, it will be a lot better. You open it right now. And you've got another pair of underwear from your, you know, from your grandma. You open it in a week, maybe it turns into a Super Nintendo, which you always want in your whole life. Maybe I'm talking about personal. Who knows? I'm just saying. Sometimes you got to wait for that 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 present to age and develop and get better. Yeah, you know, wine gets better with age. Yeah. Um, you know, quarterbacks sitting and developing. That's not necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, Long term development, especially the more time he has to learn the system and get comfortable and not have the pressure on him, the better off he will be and the better off his team will be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think waiting is not necessarily bad for his long-term development there, Alex. Uh, Fable, do you guys think Jimmy G should be str- should strongly be considering talking with the front office and restructuring his contract to lo- to a lower amount? I'm sure he would because that would lock him in for next year. Correct. Uh, if they restructured, they would have to move money to next year, um, and that would give him guaranteed money. The one who is going to resist that is the San Francisco 49ers. They do not want any of his contract from next year being guaranteed above what it is right now. I think it's like 2.8 million that's guaranteed next year. It's true. That means they can get out from under it and not have, you know, and have a minimal cap hit. So would Jimmy want that? Probably. Would the 49ers want that? Absolutely not. Because they want to free up all that cap space. Um, so that way they can go out and pit, put other great players around Trey Lance and try to make a run at another Super Bowl, hopefully. True. Uh, look, JLA, that's a great question there. Were the Niners all in on Watson before the news came out? So would they have given up all, everything they used to get Trey Lance? Would they have used the, that same amount to get Watson? It's an interesting question because I think the Niners would make that move. The problem is, is there's no way the Houston Texans would just, would have just taken draft capital for Deshaun Watson. They were going to want draft capital and players. I think so. I, I think that – I think ultimately it would have happened. I, I think they would have, and I think it would have been this deal that they gave up. I think they would have got Deshaun Watson um, because you still had the money issue, right? At least with Trey Lance, you know that you're getting salary cap relief. With Deshaun Watson, he has the contract, which was good this year, but it escalates. Bad down the line, yeah. It, it's not horrible, but it escalates. Correct. Um, but yes, I definitely think they would have made the move. And I think the win they would have done it was when the Rams made the move for Matthew Stafford. The way that Kyle Shanahan talked about McVay was, hey, if, if the Rams are in on Julio Jones, we're more in for Julio Jones. So once that Stafford move got made, the 49ers realized, uh-oh, they don't have Gaff anymore. They've got a legitimate quarterback. They would have went to Sean Watson. They would have got it done. But uh, ultimately, they didn't have to, and they got Trey Lance. True. And you know what? I'm, in all honesty, I'm okay with that. I am I'm- too because I'd rather build around a rookie pay scale, and I, I just worry about Deshaun Watson being <clears> successful <throat> in an area where there's a lot of, you know, massage therapists. But, um, <laughs> but, um, that's a good one right there. That's yeah. a really good one. Alex Faulkner with another great question here. What seed did the Niners get in the NFC? I think it's going to be two. He has no my thoughts on this. Yeah, you think it's one. It's one. Yeah. It's one. I think it's, I think it's two, but I, I think they're going to be right in contention for one. Um, but I think they're going to be out there, and they're going to cause issues for people. And I can't wait. I, I'm I'm waiting for the showdown with Tampa Bay. 
I, mean, I want it. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun game. And I I want Jimmy to get it. I want Jimmy over Tom, and for this to be the swan song for you know Jimmy ends up winning a Super Bowl done with San Francisco, and Tom Brady is done after losing to Jimmy Garoppolo, which will piss him off. He'll definitely come back, but he won't. Yeah, he won't. He won't, he won't but that. it'll give it'll give Jimmy that that he needs, and then Jimmy can go off get his team that he needs and to then the we AFC. can, can we go can, to the oh AFC. yeah and we can get we can get a lot for him and then we can put Trey Lance in there and then the next year we can go go after Jimmy Garoppolo and try to destroy him with Trey Lance I like that a lot yeah. I like that I think that would be the best possible oh scenario. yeah and it's entirely it's entirely doable it is it's entirely doable um we had some great what ifs that came through as well um so I want to I want to get to those right now because there were some really really good ones that I saw come through, and now I lost my place and cannot freaking find it. Here we go. What if we drafted Rodgers over Smith? That might be one of the bigger draft well, what ifs in a long one, time. One, one thing I'll say is, as a player, Aaron Rodgers is a better player than Alex Smith. He definitely developed into being a better player. But if you're telling me that Aaron Rodgers is going to play for that San Francisco 49ers group that had Nolan McCarthy for one year, then he's gone. So then you get all these different players. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have had success at the level Alex Smith had, or would have had more success, but not where he did in Green Bay. Correct. And the only time he really would have shined is with Norv Turner as the offensive coordinator. He would have had a great season. But I think it would have stunted the growth of Aaron Rodgers. We wouldn't talk about Aaron Rodgers being an elite quarterback in the NFL. We would talk about him being a very good one until he ultimately got to a different team that wasn't San Francisco. Oh man, he would have ended up in Kansas City, right? Mm. He could have. Yeah, imagine if he would have gotten traded to Kansas City instead of Alex Smith. And then the Niners would have ended up with Patrick Mahomes. See, it would have come full circle. Yeah, I don't think we would have got Patrick Mahomes. Totally we were waiting on Kirk. Oh God. It's just a terrible name. Why would anyone name their kid Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> that joke has multiple meanings. <laughs> um, that was a good one. Uh, Fable says, what if Roger Craig doesn't fumble in the NFC Championship? 1990, game? 100%. So um, nice you thing. could also say, nice fat three-peat. what happens if Joe Montana doesn't get hurt in that game? Also true. If Montana doesn't get hurt, um, there's also a cool story, if anyone ever goes into it, about Bill Belichick changing the plan for that game the Friday before and basically telling Bill Parcells, we need to let these guys run all over us. We need to let them run all over us. If not, Joe Montana is going to surgically destroy us and we're going to lose. And they ended up doing it. Belichick is the reason the Giants are even in that game. But it would have been interesting to see Chris Berman's prediction that he had every single year come true. Niners versus Bills would have been a marquee matchup of Steve Young against uh, Frank Reich. Great matchup. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, it was matchup. better than Jim Hostetler and Frank oh, Reich. gosh, Jim freaking Hostetler. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Tommy asked, what if Ted Ginn wasn't injured? We talked about Ted Ginn yeah, to open, that's, the, open the show, Tommy. That's Super Bowl. Yeah. Niners win the Super Bowl. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's sad. Really sad. I don't want to talk about it. It just hurts. It hurts. What if Ed Hockley doesn't call the play dead when we recovered the fumble? True. Also true. Some good what ifs here in the chat tonight. There I really, is. I really like these what ifs. All these what ifs are phenomenal. I hope I didn't, I didn't miss one right now. I don't, I don't think I missed one there in that section. Um, what if the 2019 Super Bowl was only three quarters? Yeah, I saw Gary post that. It's a good one. Um, yeah, right. could, even if it was three and a half. True. Most but of that fourth, we were. Of ahead. course, if if you know Super Bowl, you know some of the other Super Bowls wouldn't have went our way, maybe. So. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I I agree with you there. 
I agree with you there. Look, at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of what-ifs, right? There's a lot of what-ifs you could talk about, and Jason just put it down there in the chat. What if we had ran the ball at the goal line three straight times instead of trying to throw three fades to Crabtree? Yeah. Still can't get over that I agree that with one. that one. Still can't get over that one at yeah. all. I mean, we get on that. We get on the Seahawks for not throwing or for not running it on first down. Yeah, that was bad. You yeah. had three opportunities to just pound the ball down your throat with with Frank Gore or go read option with Kaepernick. You go read option, right? You have none of it. either one of them can run no, I mean, the ball. Just flash back to the right the NFC Championship game against Atlanta at the end of the game when you're in the goal line to win it to to, to score to punch punch and put it over the top, right? That's what they did. Well, I think the big thing too was Gore had just made a run, so he wasn't going to be in on first down. I think that's what ultimately made them throw on first down. Um, but they could have put in somebody else and ran the ball. It's not like they didn't have Michael James that they could have brought in to run the ball. Um, they didn't have a Booby Dixon that could have came in and run the ball. And that guy was a, a large maggot. It's not like he's going to lose yards. Right. Give him the ball, let him run up the middle. He would have got you, you know, to the, close to the goal line. Then let Frank come in and clean it up, running him on second and third down. It would have been, it would have been fine. I would have been fine with them running it all the way through fourth down and just trying to win that game. I, I would have been I, I would have been totally fine with it. If that was your idea there is you know what, we're gonna make them stop us from getting this two yards, we're gonna run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And that was really Harbaugh's identity was the creative run scheme and the run game and the way he ran the football and the power down the throat. Um it would have made sense for yeah. that to be the way you go out. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate. It, really it is. is. It truly is. Uh, great question here, Magnum. You think the Niners make a midseason trade to get that weapon they need to win the Super Bowl, and if so, who do you think they go after? The question is, what weapon do we need? What position is lacking? Is it is are we shattered at running back? Are we shattered at the wide receiver position? Um, you know, do we need a cornerback? I I just need to know what weapon it's going to be, um, because then that will make me decide whether we need to make a move. If you know, maybe we have three receivers playing well, but we need a fourth guy that's going to open it up, or maybe we need another tight end. Whatever it is, then I would say we could do it. But to me, until I know what position I'm attacking, I can't tell you what move I need to make. I would say that if it's going to be anything, it's going to be corner. Um, as for who that corner is, I don't know. Who who is and also who's playing bad that's willing to trade somebody? That's gonna be the issue, right? Because I don't think the Patriots are gonna be as bad as they were last year. They'll no. be they'll have no reason to move off of Stephon Gilmore by that point. If that's the case. I mean, unless they just get overwhelmed with an offer. And then again, the four yards are going into the 2020, you know, 2022 draft without, you know, a a second round pick or something. Like the Seahawks? Yeah. Yeah. I I just don't see the Niners pulling that, making that desperate of a move for a guy like Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, I don't see it. If they were going to do it, it was going to happen during the draft. It's not going to happen now. So I still think it's corner. If it's going to be someone, the question is, is what corner? Who are you going after? And there are some names, definitely, but. I can't even begin to fathom or wrap my head around who it is they're going to be targeting and what it's going to cost. That's just a lot. Yeah. That's just a lot. Oh, boy. Okay, am I wrong for having them in this order? Willis 1, Warner 2, Ken Norton 3, Bowman 4. As far as... I think the linebackers just ranking them. You're ranking linebackers and you're going Willis 1, Warner... To um, Norton 3, Bowman 4. I'm, I'm ready for Warner to play some more before I put him there. Um, but there are some omissions on here. You think? Well, number one, where's Hacksaw Reynolds? Yeah, that's, um, a, big, that's a big one. Hacksaw know. literally taught guys how to play football, how to understand football. Um, Keena Turner learned so much from Hacksaw. Uh, I would say he has to be on there. And then because he played in a 3-4 scheme 
is Charles Haley an edge pass rusher or is he a linebacker? linebacker. That's a good question. Uh, so he would have to be on the list. If we're talking about interior linebackers, um, I mean that that list isn't that list isn't bad. I just, I just think Warner's high right Warner now. Warner needs to do more. Um, and I I do think that a prime uh, Navarro Bowman was better than a prime Ken Norton. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if he actually is ahead of him because he didn't play as many years and Ken Norton was solid. But I think Ken Norton wasn't as good in the pass, you know, passing game as Navarro Bowman was. Navarro Navar- Bowman was lights out in the past. He was, he was fantastic. Game, I mean, yeah. having him and uh, him and uh, Patrick Willis together was unbelievable. And that's the thing, right? Is that I would make the argument in terms of interior linebackers that we had the two best playing in their prime at the same time in San Francisco. You had Willis and, and Bowman both there. That that was a, a one-two punch, unlike any one-two punch at yeah. the linebacker core in the NFL. That is one of it is the best linebacker core that I've ever watched, and from everything that I've seen film-wise and the stuff that I've watched of old 49er film, looking at old stats, just looking at old players, I feel like interior-wise that is the best one-two punch well, we've ever had. And I mean, some of it too. Like you, you look at the teams that the 49ers had. You had Hacksaw Reynolds. You had Matt Millen. Yep. You had um, Michael Walter. You had Gary Plummer. Gary all, like all these guys that played in the middle. Of course, you had you know Ken Norton who manned <clears> it for a long time, and then there was a stretch where you kind of struggled at linebacker until you got Patrick Wilson, Navarro Bowman, mm-hmm. and now Fred Warner. I think eventually we should we will we will actually talk about those three being the greatest linebackers in 49ers history, um, because I think Fred Warner is going to ascend to that level. But I don't think he's wrong if he's projecting where Fred Warner is going to be. That is a good spot. Fred could actually pass everyone just because he's, I think he's going to play longer than Patrick Willis, but Patrick did some special things. He was a special person. Um, so I don't know that that is, that is actually a good question, but he's not far off on his list. No, not at all. It's, it's not, uh, it's not Ooh, outlandish I like that. or outrageous. Jay Ellie says Lee Woodall. Lee Ooh. Woodall was an outside linebacker. I did like Lee Woodall. He was actually one of my favorite players from back then. Um, of course, early on, I liked Bill Romanowski until he went to other teams. So I liked him as well. All Romanowski. That book he has, the book he had talking about just his stint in the NFL was, it's a good book. If you haven't checked that out, you really should go read that. Dan Buns. Another outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. I do like Dan Buns. It's a good one. The, the, that play out on the goal line is 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the symmetry between him being 57 and then Dre Greenlaw being 57. But that is the greatest goal line stand in for, in football history, in the NFL in Super Bowl history, history. Yeah. and um, and I would say Kittle's, uh, uh, not Kittle's, uh, Greenlaw's Greenlaw's stop is, it's in the top five at least. It's it's one of the great stops. Um, but I, I that the fact that they stopped them over and over and over in that Super Bowl on the goal <laughs> line is um, never going to be matched. Actually, Caleb Reuben Foster, Reuben Foster forgot to put himself on the list. Yeah, because he made dumb, stupid decisions, and that's that's yeah. There's that. Congratulations. I liked Reuben Foster too. I did. I, as I a player. A, but a man, did he make some bad moves. I don't know how many times he can make the same mistake, yeah. but hey, teach their own. Teach their own. Poe Buddy's nerfed, right? Poe Buddy is freaking nerfed. Uh, list of bust. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about bust. For who? Uh, Foster. I wouldn't say bust. He has to be because he didn't do anything and he's a first round pick. Uh, AJ Jenkins, one hundred percent, is on that list. AJ Jenkins, one hundred percent. Solomon Thomas is not a bust; he's just a meh. He was overdrafted. Correct. He should have. Been I, I think he's because he he's still a a good serviceable. He's gonna player. he's gonna start. It's he's, just he never reached the number three overall pick level. He's not Nick Bosa. Correct. Correct. But if it, think can about we, we said we, this. Can we be honest too? Then if we're gonna go there, right? 
Is Jadavion Clowney not a bust? I mean, if you look at his overall stats, yes. Right? I mean, if you look he at He never his... played up to being first overall pick. No. Um, but, but see, this is what I mean. It's like Jadavion Clowney's had a couple of good years and decent production, and nobody nobody in their right mind... Well, that's not true. There, there are plenty of people in their right yeah. mind, because I've said it. Um, but there's most people wouldn't say Jadavion Clowney is a bust. But if you look at what he's actually done in the league, that's not number one overall pick. Well, he hasn't lived up to number one. Pick. No. Solomon Thomas has not lived up to number three, but he's not a bust. He just he he hasn't he hasn't done the things that you expect a third overall pick at that position to do. Right. And so it's like, okay, at, at, he's a serviceable start. He's gonna start in this league for probably a good eight to ten years. He's going to be a guy who plays in this league consistently over the next, still, another five, six years in this league before he starts to top off and before you see him run out of the league. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's going to find a starting job somewhere. Well, it's like we talked about Solomon Thomas before. If we'd have drafted him in the fifth round or the third round, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. It's true. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And Fable, I'm glad that you said that because, yeah, we agree. He's, he's definitely a bust. Um, when do we start getting worried about Warner's contract situation from Antonio? Not yet. It's like I said before, I believe, I don't know if Antonio has heard me say this or not. I believe he's going to sign either the day before or right when training camp starts. Um, I think we're on the same timeline that we were on with George Kittle. That's fair. Um, I won't start getting worried until after the second preseason game. If he's not re-signed by the second preseason game, then you will see me on this podcast getting worried. They could always franchise tag him next they, year. They very well could. They very well could. I hope they don't, but they could. Yeah. Very, very well could be the case. Oh, my goodness gracious. Liked Tim Harris for the short time he played for us. Agreed. Agreed. He pulled out six shooters when he made a sack. It's true he did. Yep. They like to see that. Famously hit Troy Aikman out of bounds in 1994. or kind of shoved him, and him and Charles Haley went nose to nose. That's something I would have liked to see. I'm taking Haley. Haley's scary. Haley's a crazy guy. Yeah, he's scary, dude. Um, but, he's scary. But that would have been fun to watch. Agreed. But every, every time after that, when he got a sack, he just pulled the six guns out and just looked over at the sideline. I liked it. Yep. Like like the six guns. Um, that's another guy, too, I always forget about, Tim Harris. And dude, I, I for the longest time growing up, I didn't realize that Dion was only in San Francisco for a year. One dude. year. One year. It didn't click. It just didn't click, and that was because you know that, that team was so great the year he was there, and that defense did so well, and it was just like a shot, a shot in the arm for that defense during that time. Uh, I remember getting into high school and like starting to dive in a little bit more to 49ers history, and I was like, Man, I remember when Dion used to play for the Niners, and I was like thinking to myself like all those years, and I started looking at the stats, and I was like, it was one year. Yeah, it was one year. I didn't even realize that. Crazy, crazy. Lance and Warner will sign together in an epic photo shoot. That's Maybe. really bold, David. Maybe. <laughs> David, that's bold, 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 bold. I like that. I like that a lot. I don't know if that'll happen. Yeah. That'll be interesting. That, that is for sure. Haley was out of his mind. Yeah, some straight yeah, he's he's a him and uh him and Romanowski both weird dudes. Well, true story about Charles Haley is he's actually bipolar mm-hmm. and he was not medicated. And one of the only people that could handle him was Ronnie Lott. And when Ronnie Lott went to the Raiders, famously the 49ers and the Raiders played each other, uh, they had to go get Ronnie Lott from the Raiders' uh, locker room, and he came over and kind of consoled and got Charles Haley back on track. Um, but Charles Haley's been open about it, and the fact that he never knew, and he has something he dealt with, and now he's able to you know, manage it. Yeah. So 
good for good for him, you know, figuring it out. But yeah, that was definitely a bad move for the 49ers trading him and trading him to the Cowboys. Yeah, it was all because Seifert just didn't like the distraction, didn't like dealing with them. Seifert sometimes kills me. Yeah. Seifert sometimes kills me, but it is what it is. Uh, look, cutback crew faithful. This was a fun one tonight. It was. We got a lot done. We talked about a lot of different things, right? A lot of different stuff. We got down there on the table. You got a nice little teaser sneak peek yeah. of a 49ers cut back in time coming to this channel soon. Who knows? Potentially on Thursday for Throwback Thursdays? Yes. It, it, Who knows? It, it could be Thursday. It could it's going to be exciting, too. And we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming along the way. A lot of fun announcements coming. I can't wait for everything that's going to be happening, not just with the show, but with the 49ers season. We're so close to training camp. We're so close to the preseason getting to see these guys um, playing. I, I can't wait for it. I, I'm, I'm all hyped for this season. I'm ready to go. Oh, man. I'm, I, have, I have never been more ready for a preseason than this preseason. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's the fact that we have this sweet podcast that everyone likes listening to and that you should hit that subscribe button <laughs> and subscribe to if you haven't already. Or maybe it's just the fact that this is one of the better rosters ever assembled by a 49ers front office. And it's the key guys you get to watch. Trey Lance, Trey Sermon. You know, Aaron Banks, the stories. Ombre Thomas, is he going to be able to step up? Then you've got Juwan Jennings, you never saw in preseason. Can Tim Harris Jr. come up and make some plays and get into the cornerback room? You know, how is Emmanuel Mosley going to handle being, you know, day one starter from the beginning? Um, there are just so many guys and so many fun opportunities and fun things to walk, watch and talk about. Um, that's exciting. Can Jamichael Hasty make this roster? Is Wayne Gallman who we think he is, or is he not? Um, too many fun things. All, all along the way, is Mike McGlinchey back, or is he who everyone thinks he is? Um, just so many great opportunities and questions that need to be answered, and they're all going to be answered during training camp and preseason as we gear up and get ready for the final 53, Project 53, and the start of the regular season, which I think we all think can be very good for the 49ers. Agreed 100%. And speaking of Project 53, go watch last year's Project 53 and start getting yourself geared up for what this year's is going to be, because this year's going to get taken to a whole nother level. We're in a whole whole other level of breakdown for it. For the first time, we'll have a live video of us talking about it with some stuff on the guys, so it's not just pictures up there, cycling through pictures. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for Project 53 this year. I'm really excited for a cutback in time. I'm excited for Fantasy Football Leagues, right? I'm excited for the Madden League that we got coming. I'm excited for Pick'em Leagues. we got so much great stuff coming for you. So right now, vote in that poll and let us know how excited you are for the preseason. Super excited. Yes. No. What is a preseason? And then in that case, how did you find this channel? <laughs> That's the question I'll have for you next after that, but it's good. Um, and then also, while you're down there answering the poll, while you're typing away in chat, make sure that you go check out the merch store. The link is going to be popping up here in chat in just a second. Go cop yourself some of this sweet merch that we have on right now, yep. right here. All right. There's lots of other stuff there on the channel. We got cutback inspired gear we got 49ers inspired gear we got nwo themed inspired gear you want to get all of it you want to rep all of that 49ers cutback merch because it makes you a cool kid it makes you the coolest yeah right it's like billy madison if peeing your pants you know if that makes you cool you call me miles davis if you're wearing cutback crew merch you might as well be miles davis you'll be the coolest cat on the block make sure you go check that stuff out today yeah, go swing, check it out. You know, uh, make sure you guys stop by on Thursday and check out 49ers Cutback in Time. Don't forget that tomorrow a daily video is coming out at 11 a.m. But we're not just doing an 11 a.m. video. We're double dipping tomorrow as well. So you will get a video at 11 a.m. and at 2 p.m. Stop in, 
get on the the chat talk on the premiere it is a lot of fun you will see people on there from i mean 10 15 minutes before getting it going getting the chat lit it's exciting and you will want to see what we're talking about it's a lot of fun absolutely it's going to be a very very fun time tomorrow it's going to be a fun time on this channel from now until forever that's right forever i'm not even going to put a cap on it this is going to be going to be a lot of fun man i'm really excited for this year i'm really excited for all the things the channel still has to come man it's good times yep sorry josh rosen we're out of time always and you know what time it is let's chalk another one up